0: you just look at like each separate room that we coach you know whether it's o-line or d-line or whatever there's been a a a transition to uh to unity to discipline to going to school to making grades to playing hard and and you're starting to see it on on film on tape we might have had a uh, somewhat poor out, out <coughs> outpouring in that game for, of offense. But I thought we played hard, you know, as a team. Whether it was special teams, our defense was sensational, and our offense, uh, we're playing hard. We're, and if we keep playing hard, we're, we're going to be a dangerous team. That's that's the whole key. And I think we just had five of the five great practices, and we're getting better. And, you know, we got confidence and and depth, and uh, and we're practicing hard. The guys are starting to figure it out. There's there's nowhere to turn. You either bring it or or someone's going to be nibbling at you a little bit. You know, it's everything. Everything we're doing is is uh, about competing. It starts early in the morning till the practice is over, and then we're 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 grading and QC and everything, and 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 seeing how we did in that competition. So I love it. It's- and the coaches are competing against each other, too. You know, so it's, it's a competitive world. And the more you breed that competition, the more you get to the game, and it kind of takes care of itself.
1: That was Miami offensive line coach Art Kehoe. And as you can tell, there are positive feelings permeating throughout the Miami Hurricane football team after nine days of hard work to correct things exposed in the Florida game on September 7th and continue moving forward as a football team with three-plus months of ball left to be played in the 2013 season. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to a new edition of Kane Sport Live. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of CaneSport.com, and we're once again ready, getting ready to embark on the fastest two hours in hurricane sports. As always, this is your show, and it'll be driven by your participation. Tonight, our first hour is going to be dedicated to talk about recruiting, and we're going to be joined by a guy that follows Florida kids, like no one else, he's Rivals.com analyst Keenan Codrington, and he will be live with us the entire first hour and be available to take your calls. In hour number two, we'll have open phone lines to talk about whatever's on your mind as the Hurricanes work through this little lull in the schedule here with an open week followed by Saturday night's scrimmage. Yes, I'm going to call it a scrimmage against Savannah State. So the call-in number all night is 646-595-2048. That's 646 595 2048. We've got 50 phone lines available. Everybody that wants to participate in the show tonight will be able to. Over the past two days, as always, we've asked canesport.com subscribers to identify some of the topics they'd like to be discussed on tonight's show. In addition to a whole multitude of recruiting issues that we'll get into with Keenan Codrington, here are some of the things they came up with. What's the level of Duke Johnson's durability? which is a legit question after Duke was roughed up a little bit against Florida. Who can be a reliable number two back and take some of the workload and physical beating off Duke as this season continues? What about the improvement of the Miami defensive line, which was consistently tackling Florida running backs at or behind the line of scrimmage in that game? Most of the freshmen didn't play against Florida, but what does the future hold for guys like Stacy Coley, Artie Burns, and Gus Edwards? We'll talk about that later in tonight's show. How can Miami get better on special teams? Is Philip Dorsett the right guy on this team to be the return man? What about Artie Burns? Why doesn't Miami have more big returns on special teams? After a disappointing game against Florida, does Antonio Crawford get challenged for that number three cornerback spot? When can we expect receiver Malcolm Lewis to be back at full strength and have the communication problems in Miami's passing game been solved? Those are all things that we're going to discuss later in the show, but first, as I said in this first hour, we're going to be joined by Rivals.com recruiting analyst Keenan Codrington, who now is live on Kane Sport Live. And uh, Keenan, how are you doing this evening?
2: Not bad, Gary. Thanks for having me on.
1: Oh man, it's 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 always a pleasure to have you on. And um, you know, I thought this would be a, a great week to really hone in. On recruiting you know with the miami recruiting class and and where that's going so far and and how those kids are doing early in the season, and then also you know South Florida and other areas of the state, what kids might be emerging um it always happens in a in a season a kid will will blossom as a senior and, and emerge on the recruiting scene late and get picked up by an Alabama or a Miami or Florida or Florida state, so you know I'm curious to to get with you and and see just, you know, what you're seeing out there as you make your travels around for games and talk to different um, coaches. So, you know, why don't we, you know, kick it off with that and um, talk a little bit about the first few weeks of the high school season here in South Florida. Um, And then, you know, as I mentioned, we'll get to some uh, listener calls here throughout this first hour in between some of this conversation. But, you know, what has jumped out at you early in this high school football season?
2: Well, I think you have to start in South Florida. Two weeks ago you had the Miami a central game in Miami Booker T. Washington. It was a great weekend of football down here in Miami, the next day you had Miami, Florida. But that game had, you know, close to twenty division one guys. I think that's the thing that jumps out is just the level of competition here. It seems like it keeps getting better. I mean, it's kinda of hard to say, Gary, but that game featured five players in the rivals two fifty just on that field alone. I mean you have to go to probably four or five states out west and you, can, you can't even get that many and that are even probably three stars or higher. So, uh, I mean, you know, excluding California, but it's, it's definitely the, the level of play is just it's, it's gone up and you look up and down the 2016 roster, the 2015 players, and it's 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 loaded. You know, that Booker T game, Mark Walton, 2016 guy had an awesome catch on the drive that kept it alive for Treon Harris to score the go-ahead touchdown and, I mean, it's guys like him, James King at Booker T. you got other players at Miami Central that may not even be on the radar for some schools, but, you know, these guys are going to be making plays. You're going to hear about their names for years to come. So um, I've got to see, you know, five or six games so far. The weekend uh, that high school kicked off down here, with the ESPN doubleheader with Homestead Youth School and, you know, uh, American Heritage in Cypress Bay. And uh, the fans that watched it on TV weren't disappointed. Disappointed, the people there weren't disappointed as well. So it's been a great start, and you got uh, Booker T. Washington, the number one team in the country, in the rivals High 100, and then you just look up and down their roster, they're loaded, and they're loaded with cane commits as well.
1: Now, now, you mentioned in your eyes that high school football, as great as everyone's always said it is in the state of Florida, you feel it's getting better, and, and it would be hard for anybody to really argue when you look at the continued production of top prospects coming. Out of this area, particularly the southern part of the state, and is sure. there anything that you attribute that to?
2: Well, you know what? It's, I think guys that the, the players down here are hungry, and but honestly, I mean, you can take the intangibles out of it. It starts at a young age. I mean, the youth leagues are cultivated here with similar to the the schools, the big three schools in the state: Florida, State Florida, Miami. That there is there's competition all across the board. I mean, there's you know about kids. Sixth, seventh, and eighth grade playing the optimist ball, and then when they get to high school, you, you kind of know what they can do. And then when they do it at the high school level, it doesn't really surprise you. At times, you know, a guy like Sony Michelle who led Broward in counting and rushing as an eighth grader, and then you got the guy like Dalvin Cook who was, you know, pretty darn good at Central playing alongside Joseph Yerby, but it actually backed him up. And when you look across, you know, the, even keeping the theme in the Big Three in the state of Florida, when those teams are winning championships and the national championship was running through the state of Florida. That's the type of level of competition you had at every position, and I think down here it's, it's kind of raised the game. It's, it kind of raised the bar a little bit to the level that you see these other schools. They kind of copied and patterned that. And you look at a school like Alabama, and you look at the schools in SEC where they have defensive linemen running just as fast as running backs, but they have depth across the board. And I think you know schools like Miami, Florida State, and Florida had that for for several years, and they're kind of getting back to that to that point right now. And in first school like Miami, it starts in their backyard.
1: Well, you know, one of the things I've noticed is the high school games gotten more complex. You know, it used to be mm-hmm. back in the old days, you know, you'd see, you know, maybe they'd run a beer option, uh, a, mm-hmm. a, a couple teams might get a little bit more complicated and try to go triple option things like that, but there wasn't mm-hmm. a ton of pro-style passing attacks. There wasn't a lot right. of spread, but but that's all changed, Keenan. and and you know, these high school kids um are progressing to me a lot faster in their careers, so to speak. Um, And I think that has a lot to do with it also.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with you 110%. I'll just, you know, even looking at the state of Florida, and when the season's over, the season's not really over for a lot of these kids. They go straight into seven on seven. You know, the state of Florida, in particular, South Florida is not a big multi, you know, dual, dual sport kind of, location there's not a lot of guys playing baseball there's, it's not a big basketball state it's it's football it's football it's football and it's twelve months out of the year so these kids getting seven on seven work when it comes game time it's just repetition for them but you're right they're picking up more complex offenses defenses are faster and have to you know cover more field and that's what you see with the, the spread i mean it it takes them just playing in between the hashes and it, it spreads you out wide and you have to cover a lot more ground and I think these guys, like you said, they're they're just more advanced, and I think you're seeing the level of high school play go up, and then I think with that, the competition and the, and the recruiting and the prospects they they kind of come with it. So you're you're definitely right, and I think other parts of the country don't have that luxury of playing 12 months of the year, and the north and the northeast don't even have spring ball, you know. So and then other parts of the country that they don't have the the weather obviously to play in February and March, and you see that here, and it's it's 12 months out of the year. We're kind of coaches are kind of saying, hey you know reel it in a little bit in the spring we want we want you for our spring ball we want you for the summer we want you healthy but it's a healthy it's a healthy kind of competition and you know the kids in South Florida can't get enough of it
1: yeah well you know i want to get a little in depth into some of these kids in the Miami recruiting class but first um mm-hmm. we're going to go out to the phone lines we got a caller who i'm assuming is calling in with a recruiting question from the 504 and you're now live on Kane Sport Live hello Go ahead. You're on the air. All right. He'll have to, uh, he'll have to call back. I guess he dropped. So, um, you let's, uh, let's dive a little bit here into, uh, this Miami recruiting class. And, um, I want to start with, um, with Nigel Bethel, the second, um, mm-hmm. changed changed his name in midstream. Um, a little bit of a, of a smaller cornerback, but, um, a guy that, that really plays bigger than his 5'8 size, doesn't he?
2: Sure, he does. He does. I mean, I've had a chance to see him over the years, and he is a little on the short side, but he makes plays. Every time you see him in the passing game, he's near the football, and that's something that you want. I, You know, I went to the the central game. They targeted him a few times, but Devontae Phillips, the 2015 Florida commit, was kind of he's held relatively in check, and, Miami Central other touchdowns on the ground, but he's a guy that can cover the short area very well. He's a guy that intermediate routes, uh, you know, he can squat and, and jump on guys. He also has the hips to turn and run with guys. He's a guy that reports a ten five hundred meter dash, so he has the speed, he has the quickness, he's... But he and he but he he plays bigger than his listed size, and it's a guy that maybe that can help out in man coverage, or even in nickel situations. As long as he keeps developing and staying aggressive around the ball, and and being within arms' length, I think that's going to help him. I don't think he's going to be much of a um, he's not going to be much of a uh, a, a player that's going to get picked on at the next level. I don't think it's going to hurt him any for his stock. I mean, he's probably an Antonio Crawford, uh, just about an inch or so inch or so shorter.
1: But he's a playmaker.
2: He makes plays in the state championship game. He had an interception. He probably should have had two. He dropped one. He jumps routes very well, and he's very confident. And he he comes from a school that it's all about competition, and I think that's a good good thing to have. And when you've got a little chip on your shoulder, that kind of brings up the best in you. And that's the kind of guy that Miami used to recruit, and I think they're kind of getting back to that with their South Florida mantra for this 2014 class.
1: Well, you know, opponents certainly respect him. Um, you know, he really has not gotten an enormous amount of action so far sure. uh, this season. You know, in fact, in the most recent statistics that that we obtained from Booker T, I mean, he has mm-hmm. one tackle on the season. He he mm-hmm. he he forced the fumble, has a couple pass deflections, but they really right. have not challenged him very much, which I have to assume is a sign of the respect that they have for his abilities on the outside.
3: Yeah, um, sure. And, and it's you
2: know it's one thing too, Gary, when we go to watch these kids and, you know, the analysts or even the team site and the publishers, cornerback is, you know, it's sometimes very hard for those guys to have a big game. I mean, like you said, those stats aren't, they're not going to blow anybody away, but it's also a compliment when you can cut down half the field and they don't go to your side. You may not, you may have a clean jersey at the end of the day, but it's also a sign of respect too. So, you know, sometimes it's harder to grade those guys, but, at the same time, like you said, if they're not going to challenge you, that's a good thing for your team and your defense. And you cut off half the field, and it makes other guys' job a lot more easier.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. He's Keenan Codrington, recruiting analyst for Rivals.com, joining us on Kane Sport Live tonight. You're welcome to call in and ask Keenan a question, or you know, if you have a recruiting topic you'd like to talk about here in this first hour, the number is 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048 we're going to take another shot now, back out to the 504, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. Jared, yeah, how you doing, man? There you are. How you doing? All right,
4: I'm good, man. I got a quick question. Gary, right. you know what I've been saying for five years, well, it's been four years. The Canes have, should have recruited Leonard Fournette out of New Orleans. I'm telling you, the, the running backs from Miami, Cook, Yerby, and Michelle, incredible, but I'm going to tell you right now, Leonard Fournette, is going to be the best back in the country, bar none. I mean, he is just incredible. And I was just saying, I was I was yapping this four years ago, and I know it's been changes with, with a new coaching staff, but, man, Leonard Fournette, that kid has got it. And I think Miami's still... I know he sent he set up a recruiting visit to come down to Miami, but I think Miami really should have put the full court press on recruiting that kid. He is just phenomenal.
1: Well, you know, I think they would like to. I mean, as you mentioned, he is right <laughs> now. He's got Miami on his five visit list, and uh, you know, I don't know how serious he is about Miami. Um, Keenan, have you? Got any feedback on, on this one? Have you heard anything about whether Fournette is seriously considering the hurricanes or whether it's just a celebrity visit and chance to go see South Beach?
2: Yeah, Gary, um, that's a good question. I actually talked to our rivals, uh, I actually talked to our Midlands analyst, Jason Howell, and all signs point to LSU and Alabama being out front. I think he's intrigued. Um, by Miami, kind of what Miami has to offer. I think he's intrigued by a guy like Deke Johnson having a lot of success as a freshman. So that could pique his interest in getting him to campus, obviously, is the most important. And for a school like Miami that does official visits after the season, kind of late in the ball game, it could give him something to think about with LSU and Alabama. He may, you know, depth chart may be in Miami's favor. So that could be, uh, something that he may see as a good opportunity for him. Maybe come in there and play with year B play with Duke for a year if he has the success this year or next year and goes on to the NFL. So um, I wouldn't count Miami out. I think LSU and Alabama have done a good job with them so far. Um, but Miami's right in there. And they recruited Stanis Dobart out of New Orleans last year. So there is a possibility. It's just getting him to campus, letting him see something different than he hasn't seen before, maybe at the other schools in the SEC. So I think they have a chance. and maybe maybe a long shot right now, maybe about a 5 and 10%. But getting him to campus is the big part of the battle. And we'll see. I mean, They've had success in New Orleans over the past years, Ed Reed Reggie Wayne, and others so um even Durant Thomas running back came out of Louisiana a few years ago, so we will see how it goes but um they, the fact that they're in the mix when everybody has pegged to LSU issue in Alabama is certainly a good sign as far as recruiting goes for them and and their national and their you know perception out there outside of just the state of Florida
1: well, you know obviously the five oh four I believe is in Louisiana um which is why <laughs> you know you. I, I think you're probably calling about Leonard Fournette and uh there's no question that he's one of the top two or three running backs in the country. Um yeah. and and you can be rest assured that if he will take Miami seriously, they will return the favor.
4: I'll tell you, Gary, um the high school that the kids coming out of is the high school we I went to the kids' high school and the thing was when I was there the LSU and they didn't recruit at, my, at that high school. We had they had a terrible relationship, and I don't know when Saban got there, things changed and, and end up getting the Honey badge and a number of other kids. But the thing is, where Alabama has Alabama and LSU has a strong hold because Burton Burns, the running back coach and the recruiter at LSU, both came from St. Augustine. So that's where that connection right. with Ornette is with with Alabama <laughs> and with. LSU but ever since the eighth grade, this kid, I'm telling you, no disrespect to Yerby and Cook which are incredible backs. But this kid, I mean, against Carl, the number number two, number three rated high school in the country, he ran in, he did he ran from one seventy six. I was at the game. He is the real deal. And I just think that Miami, if they can, I will put more of a push to try to get this kid in because he is he is he's special. He really is.
1: Well, you yeah, know, I think they are trying as hard as they can. You know, you can only go to Louisiana so many times when you're at Miami, but you know, they're they're hopefully going to get them in on that visit. And uh, like Keenan said, when you get a visit, anything can happen. And uh, you know, they're going to take their best shot. Did you have anything else tonight?
5: Um,
4: I, I did. Um, as far as uh, recruiting, as far as um, a lot of the kids from Booger T and Central, as far as like 2016. Um, uh, any more? Any any new prospects? Any 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 possibly uh, any any um, uh, new new um, prospects that you guys have seen uh,
1: that that that
4: could be Miami leans, or it's just kind of early to
1: tell. I just want to find out. Kenan, I'll let you take that one. Yeah, sure, no
2: problem. Uh, it's a good question too, and even getting back to the point of Fournette, it's Miami, if they're gonna put the full court pressure on Fournette, they uh, they they're gonna do it and they have to ramp it up. It's a high level of competition. As you mentioned, Burton Burns is a St. Augustine, and even LSU's ace recruiter, Frank Wilson is a Saint Augustine. So it's a it's a tough uphill battle, but it's like you know, like they get him to campus, you never know. But getting back to Booker T, I, keep an eye on James King. He's a linebacker. At Booker T he's around six two, two hundred pounds. He's a sophomore he has a chance to be a very good one down the road i I, ch- I had a chance to see him against central he had a great game mark walton's another name to remember he's a 2016 back he's leaning strong toward miami when miami offered him he actually wanted to commit but he actually held off and wanted to talk to his mom and his and his family you know to look around to do some other options but Miami's in great shape with Mark. Um, those are two names from Booker T that have done a really nice job. They they have some other younger guys. Um, those are the kind of the guys, the names names to remember. Um, and at Miami Central, there's a defensive lineman named Furman Silva. He's a junior. Not very big, around 6'1", 215, but he's very active. He makes a ton of plays. Um, they also have a couple of junior DBs, uh, theatric, uh, I'm sorry, Calvin Bruton, Who's ever got offers from Florida State, West Virginia? He's interested in Miami, um, and they also have another defensive back and their secondary that ha- that has a chance to maybe get some get some looks down the road. I um, and his name actually just slipped my mind, but Bruton's kind of the headliner of that secondary. Uh, Furman Silva's very solid as well, uh, and they have some younger guys. And you just you never can tell with those guys; they always reload. And there's going to be guys to watch down there. And um they're, they're number one, uh, Booker T's number one for a reason, and Central's not far behind. That was a good, tough game by both teams. And I think, uh, you know, just keep an eye on Walton. Keep an eye on Furman Silva. Keep an eye on James King. Those are three guys that have a chance to be pretty special down the road. Okay, okay.
1: All right, All right. I I hope just, that, that should answer in. your I mean, question.
4: Yep, yeah, perfect. I just want to just, take, just listen. That's
1: it. All right, thanks for calling tonight. Uh, All right, man, thanks. We'll talk to you Again next week. All right, now let's shoot over to the um, the 907 where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello. Hello. Yep. Go ahead. You're on the air. You're with us. Uh, Are you
6: Are you speaking to me? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear you say 907. Okay, I I apologize. Uh, Not used to hearing my area code. uh, which, by the way, is Ala- which, by the way, is Alaska. So, uh, Wow. I, I might take the ticket for your furthest call. This uh, is uh, Alaskan Canes coming in.
1: All right. Uh, what can we do for you?
6: Well, so first of all, I want to say how proud I am of, of the Canes and what an amazing job they did last weekend. I've rewatched that game, oh, I don't know, three or four times so far. Uh, Anytime I uh, have some spare time, I enjoy... It's just amazing. The effort the defense put on the field is just
1: unbelievable.
6: Uh, and I'd like to say that I am not really concerned about the offense. Uh, I think, you know, with all the talent they have, they'll get it together. Um, the defense of Florida is one of the, probably one of the best in the country. And uh, I'm just happy they uh, found a way to win, period. Uh I do have a, a question about the game, but
1: not not on the field.
6: And Why were there empty seats? What were all the empty seats in the corners in the upper deck uh, all uh, about? Those were
1: those were extra seats in the student section that that I guess they, that that were there for student overflow that that they never filled. I, th- I think that was the biggest the biggest reason, and I think there was another section of seats that they had reserved for um, high school football players and 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 kids that maybe. Didn't get totally filled, and I think that's what you saw on t v okay, I was
6: curious. It's a shame when they have seats like that in such a high demand game, yeah,
1: especially for such a high demand game, yeah, and I'm sure that wasn't the plan, but it just turned out that way, but they still had a record crowd there, so that was good. Alaska came thanks so much for uh, calling and hopefully uh, we'll we'll hear more from you in um in, in on future shows um this is kane Sport live, and we're joined by Rivals.com recruiting analyst Keenan Codrington uh we' We're talking a lot of recruiting here in the first hour, and we'll get uh, to more of your calls. The phone number is 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. And now we're going to shoot out to the uh, 515, where you're now live on Sport Live.
7: Hey, Jerry, Hey, Keenan.
2: Hey, how you doing?
7: Good. Uh, I want to talk about Demetrius Jackson. So, you know, right now he's rated as a as a two-star prospect. I think, you know, through the first couple of games, it's pretty obvious that he's a beast. Um, <laughs> and that might be a bit of an understatement, you know, for a kid who just came out of nowhere playing his first year of high school football. And, I mean, he's about as unstoppable as as Chad Thomas. What the – has he been piquing a lot of people's interest, and what can we expect to see for him in a jump up in the rankings here in the f- near future?
1: Well, Keenan, I know yeah, that's a kid uh, you're, you're looking a lot at because, you know, he mentioned the rankings. Um, it, you know, we we need to get a good ranking on, on Jackson, and I'm sure you've been paying very close attention to him.
2: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question, and it's, it's an easy one to answer because the level of play on the field by Jackson. I mean, the Norcross game – He was very good, as the caller said, if not as good as Chad Thomas. I think, you know, in Chad's uh, Chad's defense, he's playing a little out of position at D-tackle at times, and then he's sliding outside on third downs. But Jackson has been a tremendous force in helping uh, the Booker TD line. And I had a chance to see him in person at that central game, and he put together a complete game. He had a pass deflection that led to an interception. Um, and he was a guy that was making a lot of plays in the backfield. Even if he wasn't getting to the quarterback on passing plays, he was getting his hands in passing lanes. He's very long. He has a great wingspan, and he's a guy that we just really wanted to see in person. Unfortunately, we couldn't see him at the Miami summer camp. It's not open to the media. So the only thing we had to go off with is uh, spring film on Huddle, which you know piqued the interest of Arkansas, Miami, and a few other schools. But he, he's definitely put together a great senior year. He's a guy, as Gary mentioned earlier, you know, he's a late bloomer, and I think his best football is ahead of him. He's still learning the game. He's very raw. You like his size. You think he can put on weight, and then with that athleticism, he could be a very, a good, a special player on the edge at the next level. Um, he's probably not, a, not as far along as Chad Thomas as far as understanding defenses and, and things like that, but he definitely gets by in his athleticism, and that's good enough, and that's kind of the clay that, you know, some of these coaches want, and uh, Miami got him early, and even Arkansas – thought they had him. You know, Randy Shannon, those guys did a good job recruiting him, and he thought, they thought he was theirs to lose. And uh, Coach Golden came in and kind of took him away from an SEC, uh, you know, power. So uh, they did a great job with him. You, you, you'll you expect his ranking to go up in November when we do the rankings release after the full 10-game high school season before the playoffs start. So expect a jump because it was earned, and he's definitely a, a player. We're having fun watching as he – as he kind of progresses and leaves it all up the field and shows us that rivals sometimes, uh, we were
8: wrong early on and, you know, he'll definitely earn a bump up
1: for sure. Well, you know, i was just going to say for those that want to compare, um, you know, Chad Thomas so far this season has seven tackles, two for a loss and, and one sack. Um, and Jackson has 11 tackles with five sacks. So, you know, maybe partially because Chad Thomas is getting so much attention um he's thriving on the other side, but you know, clearly is having as good or better a season right now than Chad Thomas.
9: Well watching
7: that uh watching that Norcroft game, you know, you can't help but to compare Chad Thomas and, and Jackson to Lorenzo Carter and Sure. Uh you know, Lorenzo Carter obviously a, a top ten in the nation prospect, five star recruit, you know, got handled pretty easily. By a you know a, a no name you know undersized uh, defi- or offensive tackle from Booker T, you know, yeah. I mean he it, it it was almost night and day watching those two guys. It was like well these two guys look like five stars and, and and Carter looked like the two star in that game.
2: Sure, sure. You know, Carter Carter didn't have the best game. He did make a few plays in the backfield, um, but he you're right. Jordan Ingram who you know, for people that follow South Florida football, he's got to play last year at Booker T. Um, he's probably more better suited for guard, but he, uh, he he was athletic enough to hold Carter. He has a good, strong lower base. He's a district champion wrestler. So he's a guy that a lot of people knew about down here, but when he got on the national stage, he really took advantage. And now he's got schools like Georgia state and other schools calling him. But, uh, you know, Chad. You know, again, Chad's kind of playing a little out of position, and and, and the games that I watched him, and he's kind of sliding inside a little bit. So his production may not be there. And Jackson is like, you know, Gary said he's taking advantage. Five sacks already. That's that's more than Chad had last year in the regular season. But um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of football left to go, and I think Chad will be tell. tell he'll tell you he's happy that the team is. Uh Where they are, and having a chance to compete for understate title, and as long as he and Jackson keep playing well together, I think that's probably the most important thing for their team and then at the next level, um you know sky's the limit for both of those two. I think both are still haven't reached their potential. I think jackson's uh he's a little more raw and his upside a little higher, and I think Chad definitely has a chance to as he picks up. Uh, as he adds more to his game, as he adds more weight, and he hones in on his, his preferred position as, as strong side defense, and then I think he'll be just fine when he gets to Miami. Um,
7: one, one more quick question, you know, related to Jackson. You know, he committed to Miami, you know, kind of out of the blue, you know, mm-hmm. right after we offered. And, you know, and then shortly after that, you know, I, get, I don't know if wavered on his commitment is, is quite the right term, but, uh, you know, what do you think? Is he is he solid to Miami, or or is he going to be looking around?
2: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'll answer. I think he's, I think he's solid to Miami. I think as he keeps having uh, this type of season, there will be more interest. Will he be open to, to hearing from other schools? Sure. I mean, um, I'm actually going to his game on Thursday against Jackson. Um, I'll have a chance to talk to him a little more. Um, like I said, Arkansas – Offered him early, they thought they had him. He was just going to take an official, or unofficial visit in July for one of their camps, and they were going to make it official. But Miami came in and got him early. So I think um, they'll, they'll still there will be a lot of schools that pay attention to him if he gets in double digit sack range by week four or, or game five. I mean, you you could expect uh and to be that way bloomer that these other schools, primarily in the SEC, will want to come down and take a look at, you know, that's that's for sure. So, And then playing in a powerhouse school like Booker T, he can't run and hide, you know, or Miami's not to go really, you know, stash him and say, oh, this kid, you know, don't come look at this kid, you know, he's a project. If, he if he keeps playing like this, it'll be tons of interest for him. I think he'll listen, but at the end of the day, I think he likes Miami. I think he I think he likes that Miami took a chance and offered him first at their camp, and I think that went a long way with him, and the fact that he has a little bit of support from his teammates and his, and his family being close to home, I think that will help them in the end. All uh, right, thanks uh, a lot
1: uh, for uh, for calling us tonight, and uh, we hope to hear from you more in, in future weeks. Now we're going to shoot out to the, um, the 407, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello? Hello, you're on the air. All right. All right. He's going to have to call back. Um, now let's go to the um, the nine five four, where you're now live on kane Sport Live.
10: Hi, Gary. I'm actually trying to log in, and I'm keep hearing the old broadcast. I'm trying to get into the blog talk, but I'm getting I'm getting the old. Um...
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, there must be a mistake there. We'll get that fixed while you talk. Go ahead and ask your question.
3: No, I was just actually listening because I couldn't get it. On um on the website, so I was actually just listening.
10: So I'll hang up and then I'll wait for you guys updated because it's still All playing right. the Gators uh uh rebroadcast.
1: All right, we'll get that fixed for you. Um, now let's go out to the um the 404, where uh, you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello, having some uh technical issues tonight it looks like keenan let's try the um no, seven, it. where you're now live on kane sport live hello hello yeah you're on the air <laughs> all right I, you know i think what's going on here is uh, people are calling in to listen to the show because there's a there's a link mix up <laughs> um which which i'm going to get fixed while we're talking keenan um no, another no guy that I that I wanted to, um, to address with you is Trevor Darling from Miami central. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he's a guy who obviously committed to Miami a long time ago and there've been rumors on and off of him sort of flirting with some other schools and, you know, nothing that's really been that substantiated, but there's also been a little scuttlebutt that maybe a lot of those other schools that, he might be flirting with may not be interested in offering him and you know what do you think the real story is with trevor darling and and how good of a prospect do you feel he is
2: well i I like trevor i mean he's playing tackle right now he has tackle height um but he's a guy that could maybe slide over to to guard a little bit um and he's playing on the right side of the football um he he has a chance to to kind of get better with some better coaching um he's kind of he has the size that you want and, and he's a guy that can really mall guys if he if he plays hard every down. He's 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 fairly lucky Gary and the fact that he blocks for you know Dalvin Cook and Joseph Yerby who probably could run for 2,000 yards without offensive line. Just that's just how good they are. And and, and that's that's no slot to, to to Darling, but he plays along on a a pretty good line. You know, Michael Smith, um these other and his other defensive linemen, Reginald Bain, they're all going, you know, D one schools, you know, USF, FAU Rousey as a center has a couple of BCS offers, so he he plays along a good line, um, and he has a chance to to you know get better. I think with more development at the next level, as he kind of learns the game a little more. Um, I had a chance to see him this summer. He was actually at the FSU Jimbo Fisher camp. He went up there and worked out. You know Dalvin and some other players who were already committed were there. I think it was he was just there to support his teammates. So I'm not sure with, if there's some other interests out there from other schools. How legit that is, and you know what. These other schools want to hear from him, but I know he went to Florida State. That was pretty much it. I talked to him, and he hasn't mentioned any other school to me except Miami. So um, I'd be curious to see what other schools or if he takes any official visits this fall.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I haven't put a lot of stock in it. I I do think he is going to end up at Miami and you know I don't think there's a ton to worry about there but uh you know Mm -hmm. big kid Miami Central it it, it would not be a surprise if some other schools were interested in him but you know he's been in that Miami camp for so many months now and I I gotta think he's gonna end up at Miami um another kid Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you about is Riley Gibbons another offensive lineman this one from the Tampa area and I've heard some different reviews on him Rivals has him rated as a four star uh talk a little bit about Riley Gibbons and, and what you've seen in him
2: well, I had a chance to see Riley uh, uh, a lot when he was a sophomore, um when he when I was actually working uh, for ESPN and he came to some of the Nike events and he he actually came to the, the event as a, as a tight end as a sophomore. I mean, he he he's still learning the tackle position as a junior. Um he blocked uh, at St. Petersburg Catholic High and Ryan Green, their star player who ended up signing with Florida State last year, was hurt the whole year. So Riley's the offense there wasn't that great, but you saw, you saw the footwork, you saw the quickness in him. A former tight end, he has a great body frame at 6'6", 275 pounds, but he's still learning the game. I think he, he his best football is ahead of him, and I think a guy like Coach Keough is a guy that could probably max him out, uh, get him better, stay on him, but he's reportedly runs a 4'9", 40. That's pretty darn good for a 6'6", 280-pound uh, offensive tackle. So you like a lot of – you like his athleticism, you like his quickness, you like his his footwork, and if you can kind of just mold that and and produce, you know, a high-caliber prospect of the next level, I think that's what you can in Givens. He may not be a guy that can step in, you know, right away, um, maybe a two-year type of guy, that, and then he's ready to go out there, but you like his size, you like his measurables, and, you know, he had 30-plus offers, he's the number 203rd player, you know, in the country, so uh, a lot of schools liked him, you know, tons of schools offered him and offered him early and he just felt Miami was the right place for him i you know combined with academics and and athletics so that was one of the big decisions he chose miami
1: he is Kenan conderton recruiting analyst for Ravels.com, joining us tonight on Kane sport live your phone calls are welcome 646-595-2048 646-595-2048 let's go out now to the 205 where you're now live on Cane Sport Live. Hello? Hello Yep, you're on the air.
11: Hey, this is uh Katie Q Dog, long time subscriber. Um actually uh just called in to listen to the show.
0: Uh is it up yet?
1: Yeah, it's yeah, that that link's been fixed. Yeah, we apologize for that. I that, yeah, I think a lot of people were doing that, calling in uh, so they can listen over their phone to the show. But now you can go back on the front page of canesport.com and click on the link, and uh, you'll be all set there. Did you have any questions tonight?
10: Uh, not not
5: not right now. Uh, if I do, I, I'll definitely give a call back.
1: All right. Sounds good. We appreciate that. Um, let's take a shot now at the, um, the 561, where you're now live on Canesport Live
12: uh good uh, good evening Gary. This is Willie again out of the five six one seems like I'm the only one that calls from the five six one
1: well, I don't know about that, but uh what can we do for you,
12: you know, I was just uh what's our biggest uh must have for you let's say uh juke uh juco players and our biggest must have um regular freshman coming in
1: wow juco players um I would have to say linemen, linemen, linemen. Um, I think Miami's very much in the market for offensive linemen, and I think they're always in the market for defensive linemen, as you saw this year um, when they brought in a couple of these guys late. They weren't JUCOs, but they were veterans. And, boy, I I couldn't even begin to imagine, you know, how much of a difference it would be if you didn't have Renfro and Gilbert on that Miami defensive line this year. And it's amazing – how two guys can make such a difference. You know, Gilbert, I was talking to him today, he only took 18 snaps against Florida, but it's, it seemed like about 38 he was so effective. And I think you're going to see his workload go up over uh, over the course of the season. Uh, Renfro's getting an enormous amount of playing time in the rotation of defensive tackle. So you really can't um, overstate how much it means to have veteran guys at those line positions and uh, Keenan, I think you would agree that there's always a a big premium on linemen coming out of the junior college ranks. And that seems to be an area where Al Golden has been very focused in since he became Miami's coach.
2: Yeah, I think you have to give coach Golden a lot of credit and, Gary, I'll, I'll say this: He's been very creative with his roster management. Bringing in the the two transfers, like you said, has paid tremendous dividends. And we're you know through two games, and I think that's very important. I think coming the JUCO the JUCO areas for defensive alignment always helps. Those guys can come in and contribute right away, and then you can kind of develop other guys you have on your roster, the younger guys uh, as they as they get older and start to you know figure out the college game. So it's it's very important. I'll say. You know, for this year, this class, it's you know, 25 guys committed right now. They're at, they're at the point where they're going to probably you know cherry pick and, and spot recruit the rest of this class. And I think you know you got defensive tackles like uh, Trevante Valentine, Quartel Jenkins. You got some defensive ends like Trent Harris, Demetrius Jackson, uh, Chad Thomas. So they're doing a good job along the defensive line. You know, Dallin Stuckey is a Juco player, another uh, defensive tackle. So they're doing a good job identifying needs. They've done that with quarterback. I think that's another position of need. As you learned, Preston Dewey today is retiring from football due to a back issue. You've got two quarterbacks committed. Uh, you've addressed the running back position, getting depth behind Duke Johnson with Year B and Brandon Powell. So I think they're doing a really good job identifying um uh, positions of need and quality at those positions of need. Um, and, and the class looks very good so far. And even linebacker, I think, you know, Gary, you, you can, you understand, too, they, they need some depth at linebacker. you got a guy like Terry McRae from Pompano Beach Ealy, who LSU just offered yesterday. So
12: they're
2: getting guys other people want, and they're getting quality and they're getting depth. So they're doing a really nice job this year. Obviously the best class so far. And and you and you have to give Goldman and his that credit and you know they they're not worrying about the sanctions anymore they're going out and putting their plan together and they're they're attacking it so you have to give them credit for what they're doing.
1: But yeah, so but I think you're going to look for them to you know bring in four or five uh, linemen at midterm mm-hmm. here this year. I I think that's that's got to be the game plan uh, because it's going to be a position on both sides of the line of scrimmage that's going to need a little fortification uh going into next year. Did you have anything else that you wanted to ask tonight?
12: No nah, man, just go camping, baby, just go camping.
1: All right, <laughs> thanks for calling. Um we've got open lines for anybody else that would like to get in 646-595-2048 646-595-2048. I think we got those link problems worked out. Um so the phone calls coming in now should be uh true callers uh looking to join the show. And um Keenan, I wanted to ask you about uh Treon Gray from Carroll City, uh, a Miami commitment, obviously, who plays quarterback um, uh, for the Chiefs, um, but clearly is going to play a different position um, should he stick with his commitment to Miami. And uh wanted to talk to you a little bit about how you think he projects uh, going into the college game, you know, likely probably as a receiver. Um, yep. I guess there's always possibility of defensive back. You know, um, we're seeing with Corn Elder that you can never really predict these things. Everybody thought Corn Elder would be an offensive player, and he started out as a cornerback. Um, but what do you mm-hmm. see for the future of Treyon Gray?
2: He's an interesting prospect, uh, Gary. I had a chance to talk to him in August, uh, right before the season started, and um, he likes Miami. That's his hometown school. I think that's really the only school. Uh, that he he wanted to go to, and when he got the offer, he decided to jump on it. And at the camp, he said he worked out for you know Coach Coley, uh, you know receiver, a quarterback. Uh, he even just did a little bit of athlete wherever they needed him. And he got the offer and he committed. I think he likes Miami. I'm not sure how much uh, interest he's getting from other schools. So I think Miami is the place for him. Now I think um, you know I've heard some things about him working on some stuff off the field. Um, and and again, i don't usually like to talk about academics with the player because it's uh it's real between the player of the school and his academic staff but he he's a he's a he's a prospect that intrigues I like him as a receiver out on the edge a lot of his junior film is that receiver um and he's you know he's very good he's kind of a possession guy, but he has good size at about six two two hundred and ten pounds so probably two hundred and fifteen so you like his size you like his ability. He has the ability to throw the football. He's got a pretty big, you know, he's got a live arm. Um, he worked out at a quarterback at the Rivals Camp Series in Miami. He did a real nice job. But I think his future is that receiver. I think he's comfortable with that. I think Coach Coley explained that to him. So I don't think there's really any gray area there. Um, if he wants to maybe play quarterback, he may look uh, elsewhere. But it's not a situation where Miami said, hey, you're going to come in as a quarterback, and then if it doesn't work out, you'll play receiver. I think they were very upfront with him. They like him in the athlete category,
1: but probably that receiver out wide. Well, Miami is looking to fortify that receiver position big time in recruiting this year. Uh, could take as many as five of them, and um, you know, including a, a guy like Trayon. So um, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. And you know, I guess while we're talking about receiver, it would be a good time to segue into a gentleman by the name of Johnny Dixon, who's not a Miami commitment at this point. Was was believed. Mm-hmm. To, to be leaning towards Miami. But he's been very quiet, Keenan, you know, in the last several weeks and isn't really saying a whole lot. Have you heard anything about Johnny Dixon and what he might be thinking right now?
2: Yeah, I actually have, Gary. I talked to him right before the season started. I talked to him about recruiting. Um, you know, I did ask him uh, directly if Miami was his leader. He said he said no. Um I think at the Rivals uh, the rivals 100 five-star challenge presented by Underwood in Chicago, Uh, You talked to him, I talked to him, he said Miami was a leader, he mentioned NC State, he mentioned a couple other schools, but he's been very quiet. I went to his game when they played Miami Central, and he did say he has Ohio State, Alabama, and Miami in his top three, so Miami's still there. Um, I think location is a big, important factor for him. I think he wants to stay close to home. I think his family wants him to stay close to home. So Miami has that going in in his direction. I think he's setting an official visit to Ohio State sometime soon here. Um, but Miami is definitely in the thick of things with him. And, you know, I think he's going to take all five visits and then, you know, figure some things out. But, you know, for his position of need and fit and opportunity to play early, Miami can offer him that. Um, like you said, they're they're trying to build some depth, depth at receiver. It's a school close to home. I think he likes that. So Miami's in good shape. I think Ohio State and Alabama will still be in the mix with them. It depends on how high – um, he is on their board as well. I think he's a priority recruit for Miami, so if they keep pushing on him, I, th- I like I like their chances with him. You know, we kind of had him as a kind of a, a strong, you know, kind of a soft lock and, you know, pretty hard lean to Miami. So they're doing a good job with him. And, you know, every time we talk to Dickson, he mentions Miami. And uh, now he's starting to fortify that top three. And, you know, Ohio State, Alabama, Miami are right in it.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, I think there's a little reason for concern that he hasn't committed to this point and, and is being so mm-hmm. quiet, but but I would have to agree that, you know, Miami probably does remain the leader. Uh I'm expecting Alabama to make a big run for Travis Rudolph and if they're able to get him, um, I think that would take Dixon off the table for, for Bama mm-hmm. and and, you know, probably make him even more likely to sign with Miami, but the Hurricanes certainly aren't taking anything for granted. They're recruiting other sure. receivers. Um, they had Braxton Barrios in for an official visit a week ago. That went very, very well. Would not be shocked to see a Berrios commitment um, to Miami uh, in the coming weeks, although I know South Carolina's making a big push as well, um, as is Ohio State. He also went out to Oregon, so a lot of interest in Braxton Barrios. considering <laughs> he's a little bit of, of an undersized receiver, but I think a lot of schools like him – as a potential threat out of the slot. And um, he's sure. like a Wes Welker, West Welker kind of like, you know, style receiver uh, yeah. that everybody, you know, seems to really love. Um, let's you go know, back think, out to the Oh, go ahead, Keenum.
2: No, no, I'm sorry. I think that's a fair comparison. I've had a chance to see Barrio since he was a freshman, um, you know, coming to the Nike events and clocking a 4'6", laser 40. And I even talked to a former NFL scout who's, father coaches over in Raleigh who said um, he's one of the best high school players he's he's ever seen. And that's high praise, but he's definitely a guy that doesn't have maybe the measurables that some of these other receivers have.
1: But he makes
2: plays, he gets the job done, and he can be put anywhere on the field to make plays. And that's pretty important. And I think he likes Miami. I think he likes the style of play and kind of the swagger they bring. And he's that type of guy. So um, I think they're in good shape with him. And I think other schools are going to be fighting for him too, Gary, like you mentioned.
1: Yeah, you know, I saw him when he was in on his official visit, and he's a kid that does have a little swag to him himself. And mm-hmm. uh, I, right. I, it just, you know, flashed through in my mind. God, this is the perfect kid to come play for James Coley. You know, this there's, there's, you know, sure. Coley's got swag, the kid's got swag. So I, I could see them uh, hitting it off really well. And I know that Brad Kaya, the quarterback that's committed to Miami, uh, bonded very well with Barrios at some of the um, All Star games in, in the preseason. Yeah. He's He's Kenan Hadrickson, sure. recruiting analyst for Rivals.com joining us on Kane Sport Live. You're welcome to call in at 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. We're going to go back back to the phone lines right now and we're going to go out to the 407 where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello. All right, boy, we're uh, setting a record for uh, drop calls uh, tonight, Keenan. So I'm gonna um, I'm gonna move on here um, to another guy I wanted to talk about, and that's Trent Harris um, out of Winter Park, um, a guy that's having a monster season so far. He's uh, he's got 30 tackles in his first three games, 12 of them for a loss. He has seven sacks, um, and also has played a little offense. Actually, has a reception. I'm assuming he's as a tight end. He he caught a pass for for 12 yards but he he's a kid that's really having a nice season on the defensive side of the ball in particular. What are your thoughts on Trent Harris?
2: Yeah, Trent I like Trent. I think he's um, you know, he's you know kind of a quiet uh productive player on the field. I had a chance to go to his game last year when they played uh, Timber Creek and Jacksonville Patrick and he's able to make a few plays back there and 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 knocked uh, Patrick back in the line of scrimmage a few times. Um, he's very active with his hands. I like the way he shoots his hands and fires out. Um, I saw him twice this spring. Uh, one at the Rivals Camp series, and then another one at the Nike events. And he's one of the top defensive linemen at the Nike event. He did very well at the Rivals Camp as well. So he's got a, he's got a nice build to him. He's kind of. You know, he has a good lean. Um, when he comes off the ball, he doesn't come off too high. Um, he's very he's very good fundamentally. That's one thing I, I noticed about him. And, and uh, yeah, he's off to a great start. And similar to Jackson, these guys are just, you know, producing, and you can't knock that quality of production. I mean, you know, again, we kind of know what Chad can do, to, Chad Thomas. You know, he's done a great job in the off-season uh, camps and events. But, you know, you want to see everybody put together their senior year and these guys like Trent Harris and Demetrius Jackson. They're taking advantage of that. Maybe they're using that kind of chip on their shoulder a little bit, and they're playing at such a high level. And you know, I think Trent has a chance to maybe come in and be a third-down type of specialist. Not quick, as quick as Tyreek McCord, as you saw, as you've seen him make plays this year. But maybe as that redshirt freshman, um, when he gets to the weight program and develops, he'll be a guy because he's so good fundamentally, can make some plays on third downs for you.
1: Well, you know, the depth at Miami is actually improving enough to where they might actually begin to be able to consider redshirting freshmen. You know, <laughs> I think you're going to see them redshirt a few this year. And, you know, next year, I think you'll see them redshirt maybe a few more and, and start getting back to being uh, a more normal type of program, especially if they can continue <laughs> to get a couple of these older transfers and, and JUCOs to come in to kind of balance things. And you got to admire right. the Al Golden blueprint that he's uh, putting into effect here. And uh, it, it's starting, it seems to be uh, coming together. All right, we're going to take another yeah. shot here um, on the phone lines and we're going to go out now to the seven seven Oh, where you're now live on Kane sport live. Hey, yeah, I- <laughs> Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead.
8: Yeah, I didn't have anything to say, I was just listening in, but um uh, I guess you're talking recruitment?
1: Yes we are. You have any questions?
8: Um, uh, not really. I just I just if the guy from Rivals, I was wondering why being from Dade County and I know all the talent down there, why do these kids come out so
2: lowly rated
8: at Rivals, most of them. Uh lowly rated? Are you
2: talking about any guys in particular?
8: I can't call them, but I know it's a lot. of. There's never any Holly five-star talent coming out of there, and I think it's not enough to me. But, you know, for my liking, when I I go (laughs) to a lot of games and watch a lot, when most of the players, most of the teams from Florida have to travel and play all these out-of-state teams and they be winning games, and I, I can't figure that out.
2: Um, yeah, I mean scheduling—that's kind of a different matter. I mean, I think you got schools like Booker T and Central that'll go anywhere, uh, and any time, and any place to play teams. But as far as being lowly rated, I mean, um, there's no—I mean, there's—you look a bit down the rivals and hundreds. Florida is probably the state that's most represented consistently. Um, you know, you have a five-star running back in Sonia Michelle. Um, you got Dalvin Cook, Joseph Yerby, Rivals 100 running backs on the same team. Casey McDermott committed to Miami, one of the top tackles in the country. So I don't think they're lowly rated. I think they're they're rated uh very well and and, and accordingly. Um, you know, but as far as uh, I don't know where no, I, don't I mean I don't know what know numbers those, you're
8: I know about those guys. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I'm talking about no, I, no, I you're thought fine. it'd be a lot I thought it'd be a lot more talent being that, you know, that day, the Brownwood area. -hmm. I thought it'd be a lot more. I know over the whole state, I know about Tony Michael, where he's going to Georgia. Seems like most of (laughs) our five star players always seem to be going to the SEC or somewhere like that. But I don't know. That's another story, another day maybe, but we'll get to the bottom of it.
2: No, no, yeah. That's uh, that's, a, yeah, that's a, that's a whole different topic but no I mean these some of these guys you're going to the conference where the teams are winning the most national championships right now they're going to they're going to the hot program and I think that's what you're seeing until somebody knocks them off you think you're going to see a lot of SEC interest and there's there's bigger opportunities for these schools to come down here now you know as in the past where they wouldn't come in the state of Florida because it'd be the big three and the big three only and even a school like Miami, there pretty much there'd be a stop sign around Broward and Dade County where they wouldn't even try to come. But um, things have changed, TV's changed. Your, your family can see you playing on TV every week, if you, even if you leave the state of Florida. Um, you can get information yeah. parts of the country think, easily because I of our yeah, airport and accessibility. So there's a lot of different things that have changed. But, but you bring up a good yeah, point, without though. You leave out
8: the money too. I think they pay them.
1: Yeah, we don't. Well, we yeah. don't get into that. <laughs>
2: twitter and ask the yahoo sports uh writers to do to do a good job of their of investigative journalism i think
1: uh i think all the
2: schools are starting to make more money now and see you see the school like miami jump in the acc because it benefits them more financially every year so uh money is uh, a big player in college football and, and in the sec it's very big as far as them having their own network so you know we're, we're going to talk about the facts Let's, you know we'll keep it at that and We'll leave the speculation to uh, to the others that do that
8: for a living. I got. You. I got. You. Hey, Gary. <laughs> yes, sir. Gary, you yeah? there? Hey, this is yeah. 37. man. when you gonna put me back on, man? I said You're off. Andrew, he, you an Yeah. Send you know, me know, another. I told you you like, to me. I, I keep sending them. You need to write my name I, down I, and take care of me.
1: I can't imagine what what you could have possibly done, wrong. So shoot me an email later tonight, and we'll take a look at we'll take a look at you.
8: But hey, one more thing. I think I think uh, Miami will be all right if we uh we start you know performing on the field. Like if we our offense, you know the receivers, we start moving the ball, putting up points, and the um the kids who coming out of school, they see they gonna they gonna get a chance to shine and look good out there on the field and get opportunities that are, you know that'll create um we'll get more recruits to come in. Same thing with the defense. You know, we start getting more interceptions, putting players back in the league in the second yep. and third round and first round instead of the seventh round. We won't really have to worry about the SEC, per se or any other conference coming in our coming in our neighborhood taking our players if we do well, probably
1: our, you know... Probably a lot of legitimacy to that. All right, I'm going to let you go for now. Thank you so much for calling in tonight. We hope to hear from you on future shows. And you know, before we go to the next call, the one thing I'll say is, you know, he started out talking about why more kids from Dayton, Broward County, aren't four-star and five-star kids. And I, I think what people don't really always understand is that these rankings are looking at every kid in the country, and everybody's always going to think the kids in, in their area are better than kids elsewhere, but, you know, Keenan, when you guys sit down in your conference rooms to do the the, the rankings, you got to kind of, like, detach from regional biases and, and sort of try to weigh all these different kids against each other, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I've been lucky to travel the country, um, you know, since about 2006, doing all sorts of football camps and combines, and I've, I've been lucky to see other players from other parts of the country and get to know coaching staffs from different parts, and you know, see players and see what kind of high school uh, powerhouses there are in, uh, outside the state of Florida. So, um, I've been very fortunate to see other players. Where some of our analysts, you know, they they may not they may not have ever come down to watch a high school game or see these type of players. They only see what they hear about them. So, um, you know, we have to be we have to be objective, and you know, we have to give the players from other parts, you know, the credit for what they're doing on the field as well. And you know, compare them. You know, compare them stats, compare body type, compare. What they're going to translate into the next the next level, and and you kind of take all those things into you know into account, and then you come up with you know the system and the players from that part of the country in a regional basis, and then put them all together as a collective, which is not an easy thing to do. Um, it's not an exact science, similar to the NFL draft. Uh, it's you know it's you know it's, it's
10: it's 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 tough,
2: and you know but you want to make sure you you get it, you get it right more than you miss on it, and I think that's what we try to do at Rivals, and we have a lot of respect for one another. And uh, we have a lot of respect for the players we're evaluating, so I think that helps as well.
1: Keenan Codrington, recruiting analyst for uh, Rivals.com, joining us on Kane Sport Live. We've completed hour number one. Keenan, I booked you for an hour. We, we've hit that hour. Do you have a few more minutes, or do you have to go uh, put the put the sun to bed?
2: Probably the latter. But if you if you got one more call, you know, let's do right, on let's, it. Um, I, I don't mind.
1: All right, let's take a look. Um, we'll go back out uh, to another call from 770, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live.
6: Cool.
1: Hello? Hello, you're on the air.
12: Hey, how are you doing, Gary?
1: Doing good. How you doing? Hey,
2: I'm doing good, man.
1: What's
2: up, Kane? How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for
10: calling. How's everything right. going? I'm oh, doing good. I just have a quick question. Um, a couple yeah. of recruits I wanted to kind of get uh, some feedback on. Uh, that's uh, Jaquizz Patrick, uh, 2015 Timber Creek. Uh, What's your thoughts on him in terms of like his relationship with Miami and the coaches? And also um, like guys like Ermine Lane. Um, there was some talk about him possibly like looking back at Miami, and just kind of get your like you know your thoughts on uh, those two guys, as well as are there any um, other committed prospects, whether they be to Florida, Florida State, uh, Alabama, LSU, or across the country that may be committed right now, but are looking at Miami as a possible destination going into the future later on in the fall. And I'll go ahead and hang up and listen.
0: Uh, yeah, sure.
2: Great questions. Uh, Jacques Patrick, That's uh, he.
10: he's one of the,
2: the the top running backs in the state, along with Jordan Scarlett. Um, as far as recruiting goes, he, he Florida State was the team to beat early on. His brother, Javante Seabury, committed to Florida State, later backed off and committed to FIU. Um, and Jacquez came down to Miami in March and spent about um, – spent a day here, but spent three hours, more importantly, with Hurley Brown, getting to know him um, when he got the running back uh, position. So I think he has a strong interest in Miami. I think he, he ends up in state. I think Florida is trying to do a good job recruiting in Florida State, um, has done a good job recruiting him and his family. Um, I know his mom really likes Coach Trickett. Uh, Michigan's another school that's kind of in the mix. He has a family member that coaches uh ball up in Detroit. So he's seen Michigan this, this summer. He went on a tour. So Miami, I think, is in good shape. I think they're going to remain in the top three with uh, Jacquez. I think he has a good relationship with Hurley. I think he likes uh, watching Duke uh, and the running backs right now. I think he doesn't mind competition. That's one thing about him. He's a little different than, you know, guys like Duke and Yerby who are quick and fast. He's big. He's a power back. He can move the chain. But he, don't let that fool you. He does have downhill speed, and once he gets going in the open field, He's tough to catch. I went to his game last year when they played Winter Park and Trent Harris and Jack Collins. He looked like a men against boys at times. So he's definitely a, a priority prospect for Miami as they try to look in the 2015 class for a running back. And then on your uh, the second question, um, I think I think you did you ask me about um, who, who was the second uh, question, Gary? I'm sorry, what was the second one?
1: Um, hmm. You know what? I forgot also. <laughs> and he hung up. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but, uh... I
2: apologize for that. Um but then yeah, the committed guys I think, you know, Miami's going to get on a few guys that are, you know, committed. And, that's, I mean, that's just the cycle. There's four more four more months, and Miami does very well in the field. I think you'll see some committed guys looking at UM. You know, Josh Casher is the number two center in the country. He surprised me with was saying he's been in touch with Miami. He likes Miami. He thinks he wants to take an official to Miami. So, you never know. I mean, those sometimes those things come in the left field, and, um, and, and Miami has to entertain that. They already have a center commit. But, you know, it's, gonna, it's hard to say no to the number two center in the country if he's interested in your program. He's from Mobile where Malik Rogier is from and he's talked to him. So, you know, it's, it's a long way to go. It's not, you know, it's not January and we're talking about last minute flips. This is four or five more months before signing day. And I think Miami's, they're, they're in good shape right now. I think, again, they're going to spot recruit the rest of the way out. They got 25 guys and, you know, obviously they have to do roster management and keep waiting for the NCAA. So I think they're in good shape right now. I think they're in good shape with Patrick as the caller asked and, um, you know, again, I apologize for the second
1: question. I completely forgot. <laughs> yeah, and I apologize too. All right, let's try to squeeze in one last call before we let you, you go, Keenan. Uh, we're going to go out to the um, 770 now, where um, hopefully in one second. Oh, he, he hung up. So I, I can't thank you enough for joining us tonight. And um, we're obviously going to have to do this again because uh, we only scratched the surface of the things i wanted to talk about and um, i'm sure you know listeners w- would have many more questions as well so you know thanks for joining us tonight we'll have you back in, in in future weeks and we'll talk more recruiting and uh see as the season progresses uh what's going on out there so thanks a lot Kenan. Good, we appreciate it no problem my pleasure man thanks for having me on that was Keenan codrington recruiting analyst for rivals.com can't uh thank him enough for spending an entire hour with us i hope uh You got some good insight into what you were looking to hear about recruiting. Feel free to call in with more recruiting questions. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit more about the Hurricanes in general here as we continue in hour number two. The call-in number is 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. And now we're going to try again out at the 770, where you're now live on CaneSport Live. Gary, I'm just This
8: is Steven thirty seven again. Oh, okay. What's going on? I was, I, I was just listening to you on um online on the phone.
1: But um, all right, well, I I could put you back on hold if you want.
8: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just hold on.
1: All right, I'm going to put you back on hold, and um and you can go ahead and, and and listen to the show. Um, so let's talk a little bit now about some of the general issues, uh, going on with the hurricanes. Um, obviously coming off that Florida victory, um. They found a lot of things that they needed to work on here in these last nine days of of practice. And I think what I'd first like to do is um, play for you an interview with, with Stephen Morris, where he discussed several of those issues. And I think that'll give you a pretty good idea of what the mindset is of the team here as it moves forward out of the Florida game. And here he is, Miami
13: quarterback Stephen Morris. Steven, tell me, what's the reaction been like both from your teammates and from the school after the big win? I think my teammates are extremely happy about it. Obviously,
11: that was a huge win for the team. I thought it was a great team effort win and uh, the vibe around campus is actually going crazy right now. Everybody's uh, really excited and happy and you can walk into the classrooms and your professors are saying congratulations. So I think everybody around the whole university right now is just ecstatic.
14: Everyone is saying that you is back and I know it's such a great feeling. How do you keep yourselves from not getting over over excited or, or feeling like you overachieved?
11: Uh, our biggest focus right now is just moving forward and getting ready for the next week opponent. We're on a bye week right now, so our biggest emphasis right now is not to worry about what we did last week, but to correct the uh, mistakes that we had in the game versus Florida, and that goes offense defense and especially and especially in special teams.
14: Offensively, you haven't been clicking as you was last year. I think a lot of people. Uh, fail to realize you, you've you been playing under different offensive coordinators. you got a new offensive coordinator, uh, and the offense has been kind of slow. Could you elaborate on that?
11: Uh, the biggest thing that we're doing right now is just communicating better. Uh, a lot of times on third down uh, conversions, we're failing on that because we're not communicating what we need to do. So uh, it's, it just takes one little thing to mess up a play. So we got to just focus on the little things and do those a lot better.
13: Now, obviously, we know Al Golden tells you guys, hey, we're not there yet. We're building this program back to where it once was. Last national title was with this guy right here, CP, 2001. And now I know you were a big Canes fan as a kid. Take me back. You remember the exact place where you were, right, when the Canes won that national title?
11: Yeah, I had a towel wrapped over me. Uh, We just came out of the pool. I was about 9 or 10 years old, and we were just, having a great time in the pool, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, the crowd, the adults were going crazy, and all of us came out of the pool, and uh, it was winding down at the end, and Miami won it, and we were just running around outside in pots and pans and swimming trunks, and it was a great night to remember.
14: I think that memory just gave me chill bumps. Uh, I think you started getting a lot of attention after the Manning camp, everybody jumping on the Stephen Morris bandwagon. How how do you keep level-headed? Uh, with with people saying well you should be the next best quarterback uh, to come out of the draft
11: I think the best way I do it is I just focus on what I need to do to get better Uh, there's so many aspects in my game that I'm trying to improve on right now and the best thing about it is I come in to work every single day with uh, Coach Cole and he's in my face about doing the little things right and, and you know my work is really laid out for me and I'm just trying to improve every single day and not only
13: improve myself but improve my teammates along the way Hey Steven We know Al Golden has a big following. Everyone loves how he's built the program up. There's even a Twitter feed dedicated to his hair. If you guys win an ACC title, would you run up and mess up his hair?
11: There's a couple things you just don't do, and uh, mess up with Coach Golden is definitely in the top five, so (laughs) I'll just leave that one alone.
14: Oh, you got to do it, man. You got to find a big enough game or big enough stage and and mess it up. Probably
8: after the ACCs, definitely.
14: (laughs) I'm looking at this U photo in the background, and, and I hear you just got a new U tattoo. Uh, what's this all about, man? You got to put the work in. I don't even have a U tattoo. Can we see it? You know, Can we? Let us see the tattoo. Well,
11: there it, there it is. is right here. I'm throwing on. Uh, Woo! Uh, it's just something that you know, everybody, every player that's ever been here has always gotten it, and uh, I got it right after my sophomore season. No, well, actually, right after my junior season, coming into my senior season. You know, I thought it was about time for me to do it. Uh, it, it, I was excited for it. I was happy. It's one of my best tattoos.
14: Hey, hey I, I, you don't even have do you have one? I, I don't have a youth tattoo, you know, and uh, He's
11: slacking. I <laughs> got <laughs> Hey,
14: I gotta hurry up and get me one man. You know, you got it on the right arm. You are throwing with a cannon. I I think the future ahead of you uh is bright. You guys are doing a great thing, uh getting back and and finally being ranked again. More than half of the guys on your roster have never had opportunity to be ranked how exciting is it for them
11: I thought it was a great uh, feeling wanting to be ranked uh, it just shows all the hard work that you've been putting in in the summer is really paying off but you know we haven't talked about it once in the team meeting and that shows you where our focus is you know we really don't really care about what the people are outside of this program are saying we understand that 115 guys in the locker room need to get ready every single week and it's my job along with Shayon's job to get everybody ready
13: now Stephen, last thing back in July we got you to pay a visit to the ACC Digital Network photo booth.
14: Now, you tell me, you guys have a great quarterback. What's his name? Uh, uh, uh,
13: um. Okay, his name's Stephen Morris. That might be me. Hey! <laughs> Very impressive reporting job, I must say. Thank you so much. I learned from the best. I learned from you guys. <laughs> Stephen Morris, Miami quarterback. Great job with the win over Florida. I know you guys have a bye this week, so enjoy the week away a little bit. A little, you guys get a little time off this week, right? just a little bit one day that's all. All right, all right, and good luck the rest of the season. Thank you.
1: All right, that was Stephen Morris with uh Clinton Portis and the ACC Digital Network and um I think you get you got a really good feel there li- listening to that interview of the mindset of the football team right now. It's a loose group, they they're, they're very focused. Al Golden has them really tuned in to getting better and realizing that just because they beat Florida, it by no means is an indication of what's going to happen the rest of the season. They still have three plus months of football left to play, and it's a football team that must get better. Um, Again, the call-in number for you for the rest of tonight, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. We've got plenty of phone lines open. For anybody that would like to call in and join the show, and um, right now um, we're going to go to the um, the five six one, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight?
12: I'm all right, Gary. It's Willie again. Um, I was. Um, what's up with uh... the tight ends that were both Bo sailing coming out of junior college? I mean, you was a lot about them early in the off season. Um, really, haven't seen much of them during the season. So what's uh, What's the deal with that going
1: on with that? Man, you know what? That is a great question. And uh you're absolutely right. Uh, Sandlin has been relatively no, not relatively. He's been totally invisible uh the first few weeks of the season and that has been a little bit of a surprise because usually when you go out and you recruit a JUCO kid, uh you're bringing him in to play right away. You're not really bringing him in as a development project. Um so I'm not really sure, to be honest with you. I, I think that that's a, a to-be-determined subject. Uh, you know, I, I'd have to check. I'm, I'm not sure if he is eligible for, for a potential redshirt situation or not. You know, with Asante Cleveland playing quite a bit, you know, I don't know. You know but, but I can't imagine that they brought Sandlin in the redshirt. I, I have to think that we're going to start seeing more of him uh, as the season progresses. But I think it's a great question, and I'm not sure there's an answer. To be honest with you,
12: so I would love one because I think that you know with uh, added tight end play and once our offense really comes around, I mean it really would make us very, very dynamic. You know, with um, just you know we could go big, we can go small, and still have that threat over the middle. You know, uh,
1: just, well, you know, you know, I think I think you know one thing you got to look at is Clive Walford's play has been off the charts. You know he's really having a great season, and and I think that that probably in, by itself has limited the opportunities for the other tight ends. And I think you know the other thing you got to look at is in the Florida game they went to a very vanilla game plan, a very conservative game plan. We're not looking to throw the ball a whole heck of a lot, and that kind of takes Bo Sandlin out of the equation. So uh, I, I think that we're just gonna have to wait a little bit here. I mean you know obviously you got Savannah State this week. Then I guess South Florida the week after. I think we'll see things opening up a little bit more, and and obviously the big game looks right now. You know the next big game is going to be Georgia Tech. Is you know they're playing great football, although they got a couple brutal tests here in the next couple weeks with North Carolina and Virginia Tech before they even get to Miami. So we're going to find out a lot about Georgia Tech here, obviously these next couple weeks. But I gotta believe that as we go forward here, they're going to have to open up the offense more. And that should involve the tight ends.
12: Yeah, I'm no, just another thing. I mean, is it just me? It just looks like Artie Burns is just a natural cover corner. The guy is always around the ball. I mean, he's um, you know Tracy. He's a great cornerback, but it's like the difference with him and Artie coming in. Looks like Artie's just more um, of a ball hawk, I would say.
1: Well, you know, it's funny you mention Artie Burns because the new depth chart just came out, and uh, Artie Burns very conspicuously made a a very high-profile appearance on the depth chart, which means he's doing extremely well on the practice field. They actually have him listed as an either-or starter with Ladarius Gunter at cornerback. And um, Artie's also getting work on the other side, where Tracy Howard's been starting, and Antonio Crawford's been getting some playing time. And I think Antonio Crawford really hurt himself in that Florida game with a couple of bad plays, even though he had they a great fall. A well, he, he, I don't know that he was lost. I think he just froze a little bit on the big stage. Balling. and kind of show, He kind of showed us that he's not really ready, even though he had a great fall camp, made a lot of plays on the practice field. Um, I think there's a big difference when the lights are on, and maybe he showed that he needs a little bit more seasoning before they throw him out there.
12: Yeah, and the last thing, what about uh, Gus Edwards? seems like he went backwards on the depth chart himself.
1: No, I don't, I don't really think that that's necessarily the case. Uh, you know, I think that even though Dallas Crawford and Eduardo Clemens are the backs listed, I think you're going to see Gus Edwards start to get uh, more of a look, you know, I think in particular, this week. Uh, I'm expecting Gus Edwards to get at least 10 carries against Savannah State. I think he's a kid that this football team needs to develop quickly. They need a bigger back for short yardage situations. I still do not believe that that's suited for Duke Johnson. And I think there's going to be times during the year when you're going to need to pick up third and ones and, and third and twos, and you're going to want to have that running option. And I think Gus Edwards potentially gives them that little bigger back that might be better suited to those situations, even above Crawford and Clements. So it'll depend yeah, but, uh, on how I, he I does just...
12: I would love to have that guy ready for Florida State just to run it right down oh. their throat.
1: I, I mean, well, it. you're never going to take Duke off the field as long as he's healthy. But oh yeah, I know, mean, no,
12: no, not not that, but just to punish him. You you, you know what I mean? Yeah, just well, you'd like to have a, the yeah. option.
1: Yeah, you'd like yeah. to have that bigger that bigger back that you know you could put in the game and you know at the beginning of the show when we talked about some of the topics that we would address tonight the durability of duke johnson was one of them and i and i i said then that it's a legit question because duke was roughed up a bit against florida and the gators clearly had a game plan built around rattling him being physical with him lying on him at the end of carries uh things like that and you know, I, I think a lot of teams are going to try to get physical with Duke Johnson and wear him down a little bit. So um, having a reliable number two back that could take some of that workload is is, is crucial. I, I, li- I like the way Eduardo Clements has looked when he's gotten opportunities, but I'm not sure that he, that 10-15 carry a game answer either. Um, so I would like to see Gus Edwards get a little bit more burn here beginning this weekend against Savannah State and let's see what he can do. You know, I I thought he showed some flashes when they put him against against FAU.
12: Yeah, all right then, man. Girl, you take it easy, man. Full speed ahead, baby.
1: All right, thanks for calling. We appreciate it. Um we got plenty of open lines for anybody else that would like to join the show. 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. Uh right now we're going to go out to the um 347, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live.
10: Hey, how you doing, Gary?
1: Doing good. Who's this?
10: This is Kwame. How are you?
1: Hey, what's up, Kwame? What can we do for you?
10: I'm not sure if you uh, went over this already. I was at a reception, so I had to kind of step out uh, after it no was over to get my uh, my call in. But uh, if you went over this already, forgive me for recruiting. Uh, I know a lot of recruits were at this game uh from the twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen class. And I called last week asking about Leonard Fournette. Uh because I you know, I heard that he was enlisted in Miami on uh his document visit and I'm not sure if it's a glamour tour or whether or not he's actually serious about you know looking at the debt trust and saying, Hmm, they have no power back. I can slide right in here and make my name. Um well, can you give me some insight as to, you know, how we're doing with the twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen classes?
1: You know, let's start with Fournette. Um very excited about the fact that Miami made its way into his five visit list as of right now and there is steady dialogue going on with the Miami coaches. I think, you know, right now you would have to look at Alabama and L S U as the favorites for Fournette. I don't think there's any question about that. Um but, you know, certainly is worth bringing in on an official visit. You never know what will happen because, yes, Miami badly needs that little bigger back, the power back, and Fournette would fit the bill perfectly uh, if he could be enticed to come to Coral Gables. Uh, so hopefully he, he sticks with those plans to visit later in the year, and then we'll see what happens from there, but I, I would caution against getting hopes up too high. I do think Alabama and LSU are the leaders right now. Understood. Now, the... As far, you know,
3: you mentioned go ahead, you mentioned sorry.
1: Uh, you know younger kids and and yes there were a great deal of them that did come in for the Florida game um mm-hmm. you know there's there's a whole a whole lineup of of them that did um but you know probably I don't know who who in particular you're looking to ask about or the, talk about
10: the, the Burgess beckers and I I noticed Devontae Phillips who the Florida commit I'm not sure if he was at the game or not uh but I think the 14 class is pretty much wrapped up, say, maybe a uh, Barrios, Dixon, or Anthony Moten. I think Moten is pretty clear that he's leading towards us. But as far as the 15 class, I'm looking at guys like Jordan Scarlett and Devontae Sosekin, who I just mentioned, uh, as well as um, you know guys like Burgess Becca because he's a dual guy who can play wide receiver or safety. And, you know, you're going to have guys like uh, Dion. And Ray Shaw, they're going to be juniors next season, and you got to kind of want to have somebody in the bullpen who's learning, uh, understanding the calls, and you know can come and step in his sophomore year and be ready to go.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's any question. Obviously, all those guys you mentioned are on the radar. Uh, for 2015 and and are being actively recruited uh, probably a little too soon to start predicting where they're going to go. I mean, the Burgess Becker kid, for one, is getting a lot of attention from schools around the country, getting a lot of Alabama attention, some other SEC schools. Uh, So it's a a little early uh, for us to really make a prediction on, on where they might go, but Miami is very much in the game for all of them and because as you mentioned the 2014 class is so filled up at this point it's allowing the coaches to spend a lot of time on 2015 recruiting and 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 they're doing that um the one thing i would say is you know even though there are a lot of commitments in, in the 2014 class i don't think i would consider that class finished uh just yet you know i i, I think that you're going to see do you know how many more we have to go do you know how well like, i think the I, I think they're going to yeah, well, I think you're going to see at least them try to bring in at least five, um, five or more at midterm, and then I I wouldn't be shocked if they figure out some way to go a full 25, uh, depending on what happens with the NCAA. Uh, so you could see another class of you know of 30 kids, in in my opinion, coming in this year, which has been the Al Golden style. You know, it's like they don't. Uh, you know they've been they've been working that roster and guys are coming and going and they're bringing in new it's bodies. It's like a all the farm
10: time. NFL farm league.
1: It, 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 yes, the Miami Hurricanes have become an NFL <laughs> are being run like an NFL operation. There's no question about it. And um, it's what you got to do right now to rebuild this team and this roster. And you're you're seeing how promising this season potentially could be because of the roster moves that they've made. And I don't think they're even close to done. I, I don't think this roster is even remotely close to being finished. I I, I think that uh, there's a lot of work to be done still at a lot of different positions. So I think it's open season in terms of recruiting. They're going to bring in as many people as they can, and they'll make the numbers work somehow.
10: Last question for you, and then I'm going to go. Uh, and this is not so much referring to recruiting, as so I have to give a shout-out to uh, Denzel Perryman and that Florida performance. That's the best I've seen him play since his freshman year. I know he was kind of hobbled his sophomore year because he was hurt, but he—it seemed like it was three of him out there. He was all over the field. Have you spoken to any NFL guys to get a a measure of one, if you know, if he's going to bolt after this year because he's he's really looking good, and, and, and two, what's his stock looking like, you know, in the NFL? Well,
1: you know, I I have spoken to some, and I think it's still to be determined. I think the one thing you got to remember about Denzel—he's a little bit of an undersized linebacker. But I don't think there's any question that against so the. So was John
10: Beaton and Ray Lewis.
1: Well, no, no, they, they 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 were a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger than than uh, Denzel. But I I don't think there's any question that he proved against Florida that he potentially can be an, an NFL player. And uh, you know, I think that a lot will depend on how the rest of his season goes. And I, I think he will be one of those guys that at the end of the year he'll ask the NFL to give him an evaluation of where he would come, you know, rank in the draft. And I think at that point is when he'll be able to make a decision. I think, you know, uh, until that point in time, it's going to be really difficult for him to even worry about it. I think, you know, hopefully he's focused on the current season and continuing to to be the impact player on defense that he was against Florida that this team very sorely needs. You know, that's something, I don't know how long you've been with us at Sport, but you'll know that that's something that I've spoken about very regularly for quite some time is impact players and and guys that you have to game plan for and miami has not had a lot of them the last few years which is why i think you've seen the records be what they were well denzel perryman was an impact player against the florida gators and He uh, he was right and you know if they're going to achieve on defense the rest of this year at that level they're going to need him to continue to be an impact player thanks so much gary i
10: love everything you're doing
1: Anytime. Thanks for calling. Uh, once again, we have open phone lines for anybody that would like to come in and, uh, join the show. The number is 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. We've got about 30 minutes to go here on Kane Sport Live tonight. We started out the evening with Keenan Codrington, the recruiting analyst from rivals.com had some great insight for us. Phenomenal, uh, opening hour, uh, Without question, uh, a guy that we're going to have to have back on the show here in future weeks. I know I didn't even begin to scratch the surface on what I wanted to talk to him about as it pertains to recruiting. Um, But the the good news is we have a lot of football season left, so uh, we'll have more recruiting talk in future weeks. Uh, with Keenan, and now we're um, we're focusing more in on issues pertaining to the current Hurricane team, which is getting ready to play Savannah State on Saturday. So hopefully you find the time to call in, the number six four six five nine five two zero four eight six four six five nine five two zero four eight. 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. Um, earlier this week, as always, we asked com subscribers to identify some of the topics they would like to discuss. On tonight's show, we touched on the durability of Duke Johnson a few minutes ago um, and talked about the need for that number two running back to emerge, hopefully beginning this week. And I mentioned that I expect Gus Edwards to get a little bit more playing time against Savannah State, and he's a guy that I'm really hoping uh, can take a big step forward here uh, in the coming weeks. Another thing that's been a huge topic of conversation uh, amongst Canes fans has been the improvement of the defensive line, which Uh, Really showed up huge against the Gators, controlled the line of scrimmage, was tackling Florida running backs at the line, behind the line, making plays all over the field. And I believe did not allow a run in that game of more than 12 yards. And that was a great accomplishment against the Florida Gators offense that has such a dedication to running the football and will be a quality rushing football team in the SEC this year. So you know, got to you know really compliment that Miami defensive line for taking the step forward. And the and the, the the question that was asked was, you know, how did they improve so quickly? Well, I think you got to look at a couple of things. I think you got to look at the off-season conditioning program, the work they did in the weight room with Andrew Swayze coming back bigger, stronger, more physical. And I think you got to look at the personnel moves that Al Golden and his staff were able to make, you know, bringing in a Justin Renfro, bringing in a David Gilbert, two veteran defensive linemen that to me have made a world of difference in the rotation because they've added so much, you know, quality and so much strength to to the lineup and are necessitating fewer reps by, you know, guys like Olsen Pierre um and and Curtis Porter is always fresh when he's in the ball game and Luther Robinson same thing and then you saw the great impact that Luther Robinson was able to make against the Gators so just the injection of those two guys has been a huge thing combined with the better conditioning better strength and the Miami defensive line is for real this year folks uh even did great in pass rush situations and uh can't be happy enough for Mark D'Onofrio, who gets to have a little bit of success with those guys, and get all the fans off his butt who were pre-evaluating him before he had sufficient talent, um, but I guess that's a more complicated subject for another time. So let's go back out to the phone lines again. You're welcome to call in, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048, and we're going to shoot right now over to the 954, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live.
3: Hey Gary, how you doing pal?
1: Doing good. How you doing? Who's this? Pretty good. Blake Barello from from Game Alright, Blake, what can we do for uh, you?
3: Yeah, I spoke to you a couple weeks ago. I told you I'll meet you in Tampa, but uh I got a couple of questions for you. First thing I'm first. going, how long I'm do you
1: going to I'm going to
3: I'm going to Tampa. You That's going to I mean. Tampa? oh yeah, yeah, I'm a I'm alumni of USF and my you know, my wife's still family's over there and I got some friends, so we'll be we'll be in the next. We'll be over there so you'll have to catch All up right. with
1: us. Yes. Yeah, say hello. But, um, I'll be on the field before the game. No, I'm
3: talking about. No, we'll have a couple, a uh, couple beers before the game if you want to. But
1: uh, well, twelve o'clock kick. I got, I got to be at the stadium about nine thirty. I don't know if I'm going to make that one. I don't know if I'm going to make that tailgate. Yeah. But uh,
3: well, but I'll, certainly I'll be make drinking sure.
1: nine thirty. Well, yeah, you can. I got to work. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> No, I got go no, to go on the got to go on the WQAM pregame show at ten. So, but, but anyway, you. go ahead. Which, uh, first, what, what, first. What, what, what's your question? Um, for
3: tonight? I mean, so, so if they come out and they come out and score quick, you know, three four touchdowns, how long do you think you know the first team offense, first team defense is really going to stay in the game?
1: I would think at least a half, and I I, I wouldn't be shocked if they started the second half. And uh, if things go well, I think at that point you'll start seeing Al Golden try to work in a lot of these younger players. You know, they've really spent a lot of time in in this open week working on their roster. And one of the things I love about what Al Golden does is he's not just coaching the the first 22. He's coaching a a complete roster of 80 guys and, and always looking to develop his talent and help guys take the next step forward. And he challenges his coaches to focus in on what every single guy on the team needs to take that next step. And that's what they've done here um, in these nine days. And I I think they're going to want to show it off a little bit. You know, I think, you know, you're going to see maybe some of these young guys, certainly Stacey Coley, Artie Burns, Gus Edwards, those type of guys. I think you're going to see them get a a lot of playing time this week and, and sort of show off what they've been working on with the coaches on the practice field. Right. And then how
3: does I mean how does that transfer thing work? Do, do they go out and seek guys that are you know, fourth and fifth year guys that are looking to transfer or do they contact the university? I mean I know there's probably strict
1: things where you can't contact players yeah, you but can't, how does that
3: even you,
1: Well you you can't go out and contact players that are playing for other teams. They I think what really happens is they, they come to the through through the high school coaches. And, you know, like a, a guy like, for example, David Gilbert, who, who was from Coral Springs, you know, maybe even though he was still at Wisconsin and had retired from football and looked like he was going to be done, you know, maybe he mentions to his high school coach, you know, hey, I wouldn't mind, you know, going to Miami or something. And then the high school coach might call Miami and say, hey, you know, David Gilbert's graduating from Wisconsin, but he'd like to play a fifth year for you if you'll take him. Um, that's you know, a, saw, isn't that
3: pretty much the a, same way with O'Donnell. With
1: with um, Yep. I was just going to say, uh, I think O'Donnell. Yep, O'Donnell. Yep, I, I, I think that's another uh, another example, obviously, and 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 Renfro also. Uh, I think as an example, Renfro was a kid that Al Golden recruited out of high school, uh, who clearly remembered Al Golden and, and Mark Danafrio and, and and sought them out. So yeah, I mean, you can't just go start you know recruiting kids on other people's rosters, uh, but but they can certainly. Come to you once they make that decision that they're going to transfer, uh, but there really can't be a whole lot of contact until after those kids leave school, and that's why I think you saw the great delay with David Gilbert uh, during the summer. It, it, you know, after we reported that you know he was the guy that that might be coming on the roster, there was about a lull of about five weeks and there six weeks where yeah. you really. Didn't hear a lot out of David Gilbert, and, and that was because he was finishing up school at Wisconsin. Really couldn't talk a lot about Miami at that point and, uh, until he he took care of business in the classroom.
3: I mean, is that is that like sour grapes over in over in Wisconsin about like him leaving like that, and then you know coming? I don't
1: think so in this case because you know he had foot surgery in the spring. They have a new coaching staff there. He didn't participate. In spring practice at all, so there was no relationship with any of the coaches or that coaching staff so I don't think that was the case i you know I think had Brett Bilham stayed at Wisconsin that you know maybe there would be a little bit more of that because David Gilbert was a guy that played a lot of good football for Wisconsin last year started the entire season at defensive end um but since it played out the way it did I don't think there's any issues there
3: okay great I appreciate your time Gary and one more one last thing before I leave how do you feel about that? I mean, obviously, granted, it would be four. What is that? Four and oh going into UNC. Is that you think that's going to be a tougher game than people are making it out to be, or?
1: You mean Georgia Tech, right? Night? No, isn't um,
3: isn't UNC before?
1: Um, no, UNC is after Georgia Tech. You got you got Savannah oh, State okay. this weekend. Then you're at South Florida, uh, looking at you know, hopefully being four and oh at that point, and that'll set the stage for the October fifth game against Georgia Tech, and then um. You know, I'd say that's going to be a massive game. I think – but before we declare that, I think we got to see how Georgia Tech comes out of these next two weeks uh, when they, they have to play North Carolina and Virginia Tech these next two weeks. So we're going to find out about Georgia if they, Tech. If
3: they go undefeated, if, they go, if they're if they still undefeated, they got to be in oh, the high teens, wouldn't you think?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, right now they're in the top five in the country in offense and defense and, uh, you know, looking very, very good. But, you know, they haven't played – you know, great competition to this point, and you know, their, their true test is, is coming. I mean, they opened the season against Elon, beat them 70 to nothing, and then they played at Duke this past week, 138 to 14. Um, so kind of soft start to the season for Georgia Tech, but they're going to get into it big time here with a three-week gauntlet of North Carolina, Virginia Tech and then at Miami so um that's pretty good That's
3: Cal- fair is good for us they'll probably be a little beat up by the time they come yeah they might in. be
1: yeah they absolutely might be a little beat up and um the good thing for them is they get those first two games north carolina virginia tech at home uh which, which you know helps them a little bit but uh th- there's no doubt we're going to find out if if they're legit or not here in the next couple weeks
3: all right gary appreciate your time i'll talk to you bud.
1: all right thanks for calling um we have open lines, 646-595-2048. zero four eight. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight. We're gonna go out now to the um eight one two where you're now live on Kane Sport Live.
15: Hey Gary, how you doing?
1: Doing great, how you doing?
15: yeah' doing all right, man. Nice show this evening.
1: Thank you. What can hey, we do um, for you?
15: Outside of uh introducing me to the girl in honey's uh SIG, um I would say, uh, i would say got uh, kind of a long-winded question. Um, how much of the uh, struggles on offense do you think has just been bland play calling? And, you know, because the offensive lines look suspect, third downs not look great, and then, you know, Stephen Morris seems to be like a little bit off. You know, how much of uh, Fish's uh, playbook do you really think has been implemented in is offense really struggling? That as bad as what it seems? I understand Ford's defense was a uh, you know a beast, but uh, you know that they even looked really out of sync against uh, uh, FAU.
1: Um, I don't I don't think so. I think it's all a bunch of bal- baloney to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's a I think it's a it's a rallying call for Al Golden to keep the attention of his players. Um, I'm not concerned at all about the offense. I'm going to tell you why. Um Against Florida Atlantic, you know, even though they struggled a little bit on third down with with as vanilla a game plan as could be um you know they ran for almost three hundred yards. you know they really didn 't try to do a lot with the passing game um but when they did, they were fine. I mean, I think they had about five hundred yards of offense in that game, certainly no issues against Florida Atlantic, and you know before we start to say ah, that it was Florida Atlantic. you know, take a look at what Florida Atlantic did to South Florida this past week now, I know South Florida is down. And struggling but FAU beat them pretty good and I was actually pretty impressed with Florida Atlantic and the way they competed in that ball game against Miami clearly overmatched by the Hurricanes but you know I thought they made a good representation of themselves and but you know I didn't you know leave that game particularly concerned about the offense at all um Florida game if you look at the first quarter okay when Miami was freewheeling it on offense and what they did was they came out in that game and they threw some wrinkles at florida they 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 had they worked their game plan threw some plays at them they hadn't seen before and and really were you know pedal to the metal offensively and they scored two touchdowns in the first quarter against the team that averaged 14 points a game a year ago, an entire game, and came back this year with a defense that they are totally convinced in Gainesville is better than the defense that they had last year. That was one of the best in the country. They won 11 ball games And like I said, um, only gave up 14 points a game and were one of the leaders in the nation in red zone defense. Um, So Miami comes out and scores 14 in the first quarter against those guys. And I just think that at that point, well, I know what happened at that point, Will Muschamp took over the Gator defense from his defensive coordinator, made a whole bunch of quick adjustments, and you know Miami had a choice to make at that point. Um, they could adjust to the adjustments, which was going to involve throwing the ball a lot more, taking more chances, which is really what the bait that Florida was trying to set for them. They wanted them to take more chances. They you know, they, they, they have one of the best secondaries in the country. Uh, six guys on that defense are probably going to be first-round draft picks. So by opening up the offense and throwing the ball more and, and subjecting Stephen Morris to sacks, subjecting him to potential interceptions um, and other negative plays that could happen when a, a team is going against a great defense um, – Florida would have loved for Miami to do that. And, and the Hurricanes had a decision to make at that point, and Al Golden and James Coley made the decision that they were going to keep the offense close to the best, try to run the football, put the game in the hands of their best player, who is Duke Johnson, and a unit that they also felt was one of their best units in the offensive line. Now, where it fell apart was the offensive line underperformed. Um, easily, That the defensive tackle for Florida – was eating Miami's interior alive. He was anticipating their snap counts, disrupting their blocking schemes and blowing up plays, particularly on first down and leaving the Hurricanes in, in, in long yardage situations on second and third. So that guy by himself almost single-handedly blew up the entire Miami offense for the rest of the game. And you saw how little they got done. Um, And they really never tried to challenge Florida down the field from that point on because they had an eight-point lead the whole game. And, um, you know, the one thing that Al Golden's kicking himself about now is even that one play when it was third and 20 when they went and tried to throw the ball down the field and Stephen Morris threw an interception and gave up about 50 yards of field position, which could have been a critical, critical mistake in that game. And Al Golden has, has chastised himself for not just dropping the ball underneath, getting 10 yards, punting the ball 50 yards, and changing field position 60, 60 yards, as opposed to giving up a turnover and, and giving Florida the chance to get some momentum in that game. So, um, you know, I think that the, the scaled-back offense was by design once they got out of that first quarter and Florida made their adjustments. I think they did. it was a great move by Golden and Coley to not take the bait of Will Muschamp and open up the offense to try to counter what the Gators were doing defensively. And, you know, you're sitting there. I mean, you won the game by five points, but you're up by 12 against Florida late in the fourth quarter. And I don't see how you can argue with anything they did. I mean, their game plan worked, and every decision they made worked other than that one interception. So I think they did the right thing. Now, all that said, I think there's going to be plenty of weeks here over the next few months when you are going to see a much more wide-open Miami passing attack, and they're going to have great days throwing the ball because Steven Morris is too good for that not to happen, and the receivers are too good for that not to happen. And they've spent a lot of time here in this open week working on third-down offense and getting on the same page on adjustments that they have to make to defenses so that the receivers and the quarterback know what each other are going to do better.
15: Yeah, that was probably one of my biggest concerns is just a low percentage of third downs. I mean, even the FAU game, third down was uh, was not real pretty most of the game. I mean, no, there's a couple of passes there, yeah. there sure, but uh, wow. You know, yeah, that, uh,
1: Statistically, they're one of the worst teams in the country on third down right now. But that's going to change. You know, that's going to yeah, change. Yeah. Well, I mean,
15: here. yeah. Well, I mean. It, you know, uh, I guess there's only room for improvement there. It really can't get any worse on the third down situation.
1: No, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't sweat it too much. You know, I, there's, we, you know how much talent there is on offense on this team. They're, they're going to be fine. As long yeah, as Duke and Steven stay healthy, they're going to be fine.
15: Yeah, I guess maybe it's just that, you know, all offseason, I think, uh, you know, myself, you know, definitely bought into the hype and just expected them to score 60 every game.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't always work that way. Well, All right, anything yeah, else thanks, tonight?
15: Thanks, no, that'll be it. Thanks for the
3: time. All right, and, uh, thanks a lot for enough. calling.
1: Hopefully we'll hear from you in um, future weeks. 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. we got 15 minutes left tonight. Plenty of time for your calls. We're going to go out now to the um, 973, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hello? All right, he's gonna to have to call back. Let's shoot now to the um the five o two where you're now live on kane Sport live
9: uh hey Gary i uh called last week it's uh my name's Logan I, hey, Logan, uh, how you doing? called about looked, uh, oh pretty good. I called a little uh, after you talked to I guess the guy in the beginning. I went back and replayed it about the offense but i I had a chance to watch the game, and our third down conversion percentage is kind of like a gray area cuz we were forced into a lot of like third and long situations against Florida which you know percentage wise that's not a, a high percentile when we did get third and short I think uh Mohegan pushed through for like a third and 3 or a third and 2 am I right uh-huh yeah <laughs> you know so they were putting us in a bad percent or a low percentile for for uh conversions and stuff like that so I don't think our third down rating's pretty terrible considering what the game plan had changed to and what, you know, we were up against as far as our third and longs. And the other thing, I don't know if you'd seen it or or re-watched the game. I'm pretty sure you did. But I thought that pass was tipped that Morris threw the pick on because that ball was like 10, 15 yards overthrown. But he had a D lineman, like two-hand block, about five or six yards in front of him that he might have gotten a piece of it. I don't know if he.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think he just rushed. I think he rushed the throw a little bit. It sailed on him. Uh, very unStephen Morris like, and uh, I mean, it wasn't even close to being completed. And yeah. uh, obviously, well, uh, you look, know,
3: yeah, it
9: looked like it looked like a bracket coverage. It looked like he had two guys over top of the receiver, and one guy was kind of shallow. And I mean, that was a terrible decision to throw to throw it anyway. And that. Yeah,
1: they should have just checked it down and just punted. You know, they yeah, know that now.
9: Yeah, and that was and that was a thing. You know, I, I you know complained about the play calling, but you know it was more or less they were just they were playing the game uh, for Florida to try to do something. It was more or less like you know uh, conservative play calling. You know, you know punt the ball. We have a tremendous punter. I mean, I, when I watched the game, was able to see where it was placing the ball. We had opportunities to get it inside the ten or five yard line, and it just dribbled across the goal line. So that's you know that's pretty good. Uh, pretty punt back there.
1: Yeah, I think they it just decided to
9: control.
1: Out. You know, they decided to control field position. Uh, you know, not get too crazy offensively, and I don't think you can argue with it. You know, it worked.
9: Yeah. All right. Well, to, uh, enough with Florida because we got a whole season ahead of us. Um, uh, one of the questions i gonna have two. One question is, they Golden's been about the offensive line. He's gonna go back and and rethink things, or have the offensive team look at. What he can do to help them out? Do you have any insight of what he may be thinking? Is it a blocking scheme? I know it looked like we had the same snap count the entire game, and that definitely doesn't help your offensive line. Um, I, I mean, do you have an opinion, or maybe
1: yeah, you know, I, I think that's thoughts? one. I think that's one thing. I think what you just mentioned is one thing. I think that you know Florida was doing a great job of anticipating the snap counts, and you know maybe that's something that they can do is put a little bit more variety. Uh, into their counts and, and and do some different things there. I, I I think that without question, um, you know was one issue. Um, I think the other uh, really is is just playing with a little, little bit more of an attitude. You know, being a little bit more physical and you you know you talk about replicating things on the practice field and Miami's defensive line has vastly improved this year, but you can't replicate like a guy like that easily, kid. Uh, on the practice field in August, and, you know, I think they kind of just got caught a little bit by some great play by the Florida defensive line, and, um, you know, when you're not making first downs like they were not, you really aren't running enough plays to really do a whole heck of a lot on offense, And and I think that's the trap that Miami got caught in, just way too many three and outs, not enough plays on offense, not enough chances to get things right and and, and turn the momentum uh, in terms of how it was going with the Miami offense against the Florida defense. And um, I I think that that kind of affected the performance of the offensive line. But, you know, it's a good offensive line. I I think that'll be the toughest matchup they have all year. And uh, they should play a lot better.
9: Yeah, I mean, uh, watching the game, I mean, easily was just bull rushing McDermott, or whoever he was standing over top of, he was just coming straight in one gap. He wasn't he worried in about beast. standing the offensive. Yeah. And I, I, bad for our guys because it was almost like. They were just trying to shield them, just get in front of them and put their hands and stand them up. But when he's coming with that much force, you know, they were just knocking our guys backwards on our heels. And, you know, hopefully, like you said, if they can, you know, go forward with their with their blocking instead of trying to do a little shield on the guy, you know, you know drive off the ball, turn the feet, you know, like you're hitting the sled, you know. That, that, but it was kind of hard to tell because those guys were some tremendous athletes on the other side of the ball. Um, all right. Well, the next one would be: uh, What do you hope to see against Savannah State, as far as overall game or spe- specific freshman, anything like that? If you want to touch base on um, what that'll what that'll be, and uh, I'll I'll hang up and listen.
1: All so, right. More, more. Not a problem. More than anything this week, you know, I'm looking for um, Gus Edwards big time. I, I want to see Gus Edwards emerge as a as a legitimate candidate to be the number two running back on this team, because I, I think that that's what they really, really, really need. And, uh, you know, there's there's going to be points during the season where you've got to pick up short yardage. Uh, there's no question about it. And uh, you don't want that to be a weakness. And I think Gus Edwards was recruited to play that role. And, you know, he should be getting re- about ready at this point. Uh, to where uh, he can get a little bit more burn, and and, and let's see what he can do and and see if he could be that bigger back that Miami needs so badly this season. And then uh, they can go from there in recruiting and and address it for the future and let everybody compete and see how it works out. Okay, we got time for a few more calls. 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. You're welcome to call in. Still, right now we're going to go out to the uh, 973 where you're now live on Kane Sport Live.
5: Hey, Gary, how you doing?
1: Doing good. Who's this?
5: This is Ross. I called in um, last week. I'm gonna remind you all the time. I called in. I was the one that was complaining about offensive line. I all right. Back. Well. Yes. Hey. Yeah. I mean, um, you kind of stole my thunder on um, Gus Edwards. Um, I'm meeting from New Jersey. I knew who he was, and when we started recruiting, him, I was excited. Because we really, really, really be able to get a back that could go in. We know we need to pick up a couple of yards, and we just flat out get it done. You know, give them the ball, let them pick up a couple of yards, get them off the field, and then go into our offense again. But uh, I was really calling just to um, talk to you about recruitment. Um, I'm a, I was on your site and I noticed a couple of things that um, I think Nebraska was recruiting with the, the, the defensive end that we're trying to get from Northwestern. It's, it was not Nebraska. It was uh. I yeah, think it was Mike, West Virginia. Mike Smith. Yeah, it was West Virginia. Mike Smith. Yeah, um, there's,
1: yeah. There's there's several schools trying to recruit him. Go ahead.
5: Yeah, and um, he came back, and I think he said he loved it. It gave gave him something to consider. I'm like this when it comes to some of these guys, man. Hey, like Kyle Rudolph said, you're looking, we're looking. And I don't think he was. I don't think he's the type of kid right now that could go into any program and say he'll be able to play and get on the field next year. So I'm not sure if that's Air tactics or what these guys are trying to do, but I don't see that's a kid that's going to get on the field next year and perform for us. So if he wants to go to um, West Virginia, let him. Um, I think we're in a position right now where we can recruit kids, and kids want to come and play for Miami. So um, he talks real big about wanting to play for Miami, and if, if people want him to go to Miami, and his one. But then he comes back and says, gives us something to think about. And he's kind of like kind of leaning that way. I'm not I'm not I'm not
1: happy about that. Happy. Well, you know I I think I think you have a, a lot of kids that that grow up in South Florida that never get the chance to go anywhere, and you know the, the, they they haven't taken a lot of trips in their lives, and you know now here they are, they're high school football stars. They're getting a lot of attention from schools all over the country, and I think this this recruiting thing is an opportunity for them to go out and, and see other places and, and get and get pampered and, and worshipped while they're doing it. And I think that's very appealing to a lot of these kids, and I think that's why you see them go out and they take the trips. And I, I think in some cases they do it with the understanding with the Miami coaches that, you know, hey, coach, you know, don't worry, I, I'm committed. I just want to take a couple trips and go see some places. And, um, you know, I think the coaches can pretty much make determinations on who's seriously looking around and playing games and who isn't. Um, So I don't really have a great problem in September with kids, you know, taking those trips. You know, where where I think it gets a little tricky is if if it's still January and and they're still playing games and messing around because now, you know, now the coaches have to really be done with recruiting and they're starting to cut guys loose and things like that. So, you know, I I think if they're going to do it during the football season, it's okay. Um, I just think they got to shut it down by December, January.
5: Okay, one more, one more if I can. Um... I know Not that Al Golden didn't have a problem uh, after the Florida game with some of the interviews after the game. He didn't have a problem saying Florida was one of the schools that kind of like pissed them off, and uh, mm-hmm. they were doing a lot of bad recruiting. I think I noticed that he didn't have a problem you know, admitting that he wanted to beat them and he was happy that he beat them because they were doing a lot of negative recruiting. I think yep. we should take – I don't want to look too far ahead, but I think when we see Florida State, that's got to be one of his – that's part of his locker room speech, you know, uh, to his coaches and to the players. Uh, these are guys that were bad us through this whole process. I have to believe Florida State, and I have know it for a for for fact that Florida State was one of the schools that um, negative recruited the hell out of uh, Miami. So um, I think that should be a focus on when we see those guys. I mean, I'm really not a fan of anybody in the ACC, otherwise with Miami anyway. Um, I hear I people talking about they want the ACC to do good and this and that. I want nobody in the ACC to win but Miami. So uh, I don't, I'm don't. i not along the lines of saying I want to see the rest of the team. Clemson, North Carolina, North Carolina State, all those schools, as far as I'm concerned, they could lose. Because it's
1: about recruiting for me and getting better. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm sure Florida State does its share of, of negative recruiting. But, yeah, he, he that's exactly what he was referring to when he said that. There, there's nothing Al Golden hates more than negative recruiting. And, and coaches that try to get kids by bad-mouthing other schools. And it's something that you won't see Miami do a lot of. I mean, Al Golden mandates his coaches not to do that. You know, he's not going to go have them talking about all the players up in Florida that have been arrested because he understands that everybody in this business is vulnerable. They're all recruiting from the same pool of players, and anybody can be subject to having a kid do the wrong thing and, and, and getting arrested or, or getting in trouble when he's out. Yeah, I agree. I or or things
5: like and, that, yeah. And Virginia, so, I hope we I hope we put a fuck weapon on them, take them to the woodshed. It's, I I still have a lot of bad feelings about playing them. I remember on a Thursday night, I think it was uh, my linebacker when he was young. I think it was a, it was a five yard pass. He missed the tackle. The, the running back took it to the house. And last year we should have beaten them. So I'm I'm annoyed with Virginia. I don't care if they're good, if they're if they're one or whatever. When we see them. I want to take them to the back and beat the heck out of them.
1: Is, is there anybody on left on the schedule that you don't want to beat the heck out of? Everybody should get their butt with. I'm a
5: diehard. Okay? <laughs> and I don't I don't believe it. No team, I don't want the ATC to do good unless it's Miami.
1: And
5: every time I call in, you're going to hear that type of fire from me because
1: I'm a diehard. I don't All want right, we're, to do good. We're, we're game for that. You're, you're welcome All to right. call back next week.
5: Thanks for your, Thanks for your time.
1: All right. Thanks for calling tonight. Um, all right. Well, that's going to about do it, I think, for this edition of Kane Sport Live. Um, Hurricanes got a nice little scrimmage on Saturday night against Savannah State. It'll be interesting, hopefully, to see the advancement of this team after another open week and a chance to really work on improving their game. Obviously, everybody would like to see a lot of the young players get some playing time. Uh, we've talked a lot tonight about Gus Edwards. I think, you know, you certainly would like to see... Stacy Coley um, emerge more in this fall game. Um, I think Artie Burns' move up the depth chart here this week is an indication that he's going to get a little bit more burn on Saturday. So, you know, that's going to be, you know, a, a big key uh, for this team here in the next week or two is to focus on um, the young players and getting them in the game. I'm going to try to sneak in a quick call here before we go. From the 973, you're now live on Sport Live. All right, well, that'll do it. Um, we thank everybody for, for joining us tonight, and we'll be back next week as we evaluate the Savannah State game and um, might even try to get Keenan Codrington from Rivals.com to join us again next week. Um, I thought that segment tonight was phenomenal. He brings a lot of insight, gets out to see a lot of these kids, and uh, there were so many more that I wanted to talk to him about um, and share opinions, my opinions with his and, and see how they mesh and agree, and I know everybody who called in tonight and had a chance to speak to Keenan and myself and talk recruiting uh, enjoyed it as well. So that's something we're going to try to do here in future weeks, and uh, we'll see if we can get them back maybe even as soon as next Tuesday night. Well, that, that'll that conclude Sport Live for tonight. We'll see everybody at the Savannah State game on Saturday. Good night, Canes fans.